Welcome to TTM Cast, your sports collectibles podcast with Jeff Baker and Drew Pelto. Sponsored by Certified Sports Guarantee. Go to csgcards.com for sports card grading for the win. And by sportscollectorsdaily.com. If it happens in the hobby, you'll find it on sportscollectorsdaily.com. And now, here's our host, Jeff Baker. Hello, everybody, and welcome to TTM Cast, your sports collectibles podcast where we talk TTM, cards, autographs, collecting, basically anything Drew wants to talk about, really. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, what, that's how we, we run here at TTM Cast. It's season four, episode 35. It is September, boys, September 3rd, Labor Day weekend. You are listening to nationally ranked sports card pod podcast. Let's try that again. There's it's a nationally ranked sports card podcast. It's CTM cast. I'm your host butchering this show. Once again, <laughs> my name is Jeff Baker. I am talking to you from Boston, Massachusetts, and I'm joined by my co-host. You can hear him laughing in the background. His name, of course, is Drew Pelto. He's from Dallas, Texas, and he knows more about TTM and autographs than just about anyone in the world. Welcome, Drew. Hey, good to be here, as always. Drew is the man when it comes to autographs and TTM. He just got back from a, I don't know, 20-day trip, getting over 500 autographs. He's out there sending out TTMs. He's got a great YouTube channel. Drew, why don't you let people know how they can find you on social media? Of course. If you just go to my website, dfwgrapher.com, that'll take you to everything that I am on, whether it's YouTube, which is youtube.com slash dfwgrapher, Instagram, Twitter, I'm DFW Graffer on both those. A little bit of a pattern right there, you may notice. So, uh, but yeah, go and check it out. It's all in one place right there, dfwgraffer.com. Probably the easiest, play, easiest way to find me online. To make matters worse, I hate him because of his voice. He's got the best radio <laughs> voice in the world. I got this crappy voice I have to live with. He's got the, hello, I'm here. <laughs> He announces he announces dinner to his wife. He calls his cat over. He's just got the best voice. So, so enjoy Drew's voice. I apologize for mine. And because Drew has a radio voice, we have a radio show, right, Drew? We do indeed. That would be Sports Map uh, Radio is the station there. We're on all of their affiliates around the country. Sports Collectors Club is the name of the show. You can find out more about it at sportscollectorsclub.com. We air Saturdays at 10 a.m., Sundays at 7 a.m., same show for both of those spots. And if you don't have a Sports Map radio affiliate in your area, just go online and find their app in any app store. And guys, we have different content on our radio show than on our podcast, but don't tell the radio guys. We hold all the good content for the podcast. This is where you find the best stuff. We The, the straight jacket's off. We get to talk all sorts of stuff. We have a great week. Yeah week uh, a lot of stuff going on it is labor day weekend i can't believe drew we are in september already um the the summer flew by and you know what drew it's national hummingbird day can you believe it nice i didn't even know that was a thing but cool that's a good timing on that <laughs> i don't know it popped up on my screen this morning i was like oh i gotta i just have to talk about that i don't know why <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, we have baseball pennant races heating up, and your Indians slash Guardians have a shot. What do you think? Do you, you know they just lost the volley and uh, and uh, what the uh, Plesac? Do they have a shot at, at getting in in this thing? Well, it happened in uh, 2016 as well. They had a couple pitchers go down, and unfortunately, it didn't phase them at first. But then once it got in the World Series, it definitely came back to bite them pretty bad there. But uh, 
I'm not saying that's going to be a World Series uh, berth this year for them at all, but I'm also not saying that they're completely out of it either. I mean, this uh, they, they've still got a shot. They've still got a shot. Yeah, I mean, they got some great hitters, I think, and they, they're just – I think they're a little thin on on uh, outfields, and I think mm-hmm. they're uh, – I don't know. I don't know if they have enough pitching. Their bullpen is certainly fat, fabulous, but I don't know if they're going to hold on. I, I still think the White Sox have all that talent, and I think they're just going to make a run. I I don't, you know, I know they, they have to get by the twins too, but I just, I see the White Sox pulling, you know, getting a, a 10 or 12 game win streak going. They could too. I mean, they, they have that uh, brief uh, temporary managerial change there as well. Tony Larusa being out, who knows that can sometimes put a shot in the arm on a team. You look at somebody like the uh, New Jersey devils twice fired their coach within like oh, two weeks before the playoffs and went on huge runs. So you never know how that can affect a team. Sometimes it can give them that little shot in the arm that they need. Yeah, I don't think they liked Larusa that much. I think I don't think it's really going to affect them. I think it's going to be a positive, but we'll see. So enjoy the pennant races, guys. We love pen- baseball pennant races. College football has started, which is always great. Uh, good to watch college football. That's where you get the future um, current guys to invest in on on, on the fall season. I don't think uh, this year's rookie class is as as hot as the last couple of years, but. Uh, you know, college football is college football. I, I enjoy it. There's so many teams. It's hard to follow. You know, you got to pick one or two teams, right? And just follow them because there's just so many teams. And it, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see who's up there. I know Ohio State uh, is supposed to have a uh, really good team this year. We'll, so we'll see. Yep. Kicking off against Notre Dame tonight. So I'll be looking at uh, that game there. I'll be watching that. And uh, haven't checked out. Boise State is my number two team. And I haven't really checked to see what their uh, schedule looks like this year. But they've got to be. Kicking off, I would think probably either tonight or they may have already. I don't really know. And then in two weeks, we have the NFL season starts. And next week, what does that mean, Drew? NFL season starts. What, the, what does that mean? means that we're going to be making making our uh, absolutely terrible picks again this year. So uh, everybody, get your fast four buttons ready to skip over to those. But we will be bringing that back again this year. Yeah, I don't, you know what? I think maybe we should play for something, maybe like a roll of stamps or you and I should, you and I should play for something to put, have, have some, uh, make it a little more interesting. What do you think? Possibly. I might be down for that. Yeah. All right. Well, we, next week, guys, we're going to have the NFL picks again. So as Drew said, if you, that's when you get hit your fast forward button, but uh, I love NFL season and there's all sorts of NFL uh, new releases coming up uh, from Panini. So we're really excited about that. I actually hit a uh, local flea market uh, last Sunday and I picked up um, five Red Sox yearbooks in one uh, program from 1975 for $20, which was kind of cool. They, all the programs were in great shape. They were all from the uh, mid 2000s. And uh, I got the, it was a 1975 Red Sox program from the, the third release, if you will, at the end of the year. And the games were against the Milwaukee Brewers. So it was I one of the game. it could have been from one of the games that was last, Hank Aaron's last visit to Fenway Park, which was kind of cool. Um, I just love going to flea markets and, and it, it, it's really funny. Are you a flea market guy, Drew? Um, I do enjoy checking them out whenever I can. Uh, I don't do it a whole lot at all, but I happen to come across one anytime I'm around. I'll usually, you know, go in, take a look around, see if I find anything. I haven't had much luck on sports related stuff at them though. So uh, yeah, just, I mean, I keep my eye out never really seem to come across much, but I know you have some uh, pretty decent success with them there. Yeah. There was a guy that had, he had three 1987 uh, tops on open boxes and they were wrapped. Uh, he wanted 30 bucks a piece for him. And I just, I couldn't do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was like, I, I have a couple already. And it was just like, do I really want another 1987 box to 
to clutter up my shelves. Right, right. <laughs> but it was, uh, you know, there's all there was also a lot of stuff. There was a lot of stuff. One like guy had a um, Don Larson autograph photo from the perfect game, but mm-hmm. the autograph was so um, washed out. I was so bumming. Um, I would have picked that up. And you always kind of, you know, I think in New England, because it's people, you know, people have been here for so long. This, you always find just stuff. People have stuff and everyone's, you know, I think everyone's a lot of people are Red Sox fans. So you always find a lot of baseball stuff and a lot of, you know, people went to games and so, had programs and all sorts, sorts of cool stuff. This one guy had um, he had like six or seven programs that he 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 had they were they weren't in great condition he's like you want them for five bucks i was like i I do but i just don't want to i just don't want more more clutter you know what i mean i'm trying right i'm trying to get not refrain from as much clutter i guess as possible but it's hard to pass up uh you know when you see a good deal uh, see a good deal well in in terms of clutter i actually picked up some new uh, releases i picked up some uh optic donruss optic football i picked up uh, a couple of uh blaster uh, boxes and i picked up some uh, uh heritage pa- uh, 60 card pack you know the one of those hanger packs yeah. so those were pretty good i I got, I got some good cards out of it i do like i do like the um the prestige i know people think that don't really like it but i kind of like the prestige have you got any prestige yet i haven't yet at all i mean i usually uh, i tend to check it out a little bit every year and everything i'm not like a huge huge football collector at all because the TTMing on that has kind of sucked the last few years, but I used to for a while. I'd pick up and pick some up, and usually they were the first ones to come out with all the new rookies in it. So I'd send out a few of those and everything. But yeah, I haven't uh, haven't the last couple of years at all. Yeah, I've been getting I've been having real good with the '80s TTM on football. So we'll talk about that when we get returns. Um, you you had a a, a a good week too. Some news you want to report on? Yeah. Um, well, first off, I mean, just stuff that I picked up in general. I got some. Uh, I've mentioned I'm kind of working on some unsigned soccer sets, and I finally have picked up the last 10 cards that I needed for the 2018 Donruss World Cup uh, Prism set. Oh, nice. So, yeah, I'm waiting on those to get here, but picked those all up on eBay over the last week. So I'm going to finally have that completely finished off, which is great. I've been kind of half-heartedly working on that since probably like 2019 or thereabouts, but finally got that finished off now once those arrive. Um Picked up a, a Nick Prado autograph uh, for my uh, Heritage Miners set on eBay. Little cheap pickup there. I think it was like five bucks plus shipping, so not bad there at all. And uh, but yeah, there's uh, some news that affects us as uh, the in-person graphers out there. Coming to us out of uh, where was it from? Uh, blanking on the name. There wasn't Scranton Wilkes-Barre. It was the other one, wasn't it? Or was it Scranton Wilkes-Barre? Don't remember. <laughs> I'm going to have to look up now, but one of the minor league teams, and I didn't think it was Scranton Wilkesburg because I was there and had uh, no problem with them at all. But uh, one of them has shut down graphing. Well, it was the out- Rail Riders, whoever the Rail Riders are. Was it the Rail Riders? That's Scranton Wilkesburg. And I was there and I didn't think it was them, but I could I be thought, completely uh, wrong. There. I thought it was, I thought it was uh, the Rail Riders. Yeah. Well, either way, they have shut down graphing outside the ballpark because apparently a bunch of idiots are trying to get into the players' clubhouse. Which, Which I mean, this is unbelievable. Yeah, this is completely ridiculous. I mean, number one, who the hell is doing that? Who who thinks that that's that that's an okay thing to do? I mean, it's ridiculous. You have it's. A, I mean, it's a restricted space. It's for players only. There's absolutely no reason for any fan to be in there at all, ever, for any reason. Period. F you. End of story. And yet, somehow they're shutting this down because you know people are trying to get in there. That is insane. I can't believe people are doing that, but. I guess nothing should really surprise me anymore in this hobby because I've seen about all of it in the last couple of years. But uh, 
they put up some barriers outside there. They're telling players you got to stay behind the barriers. And so the chance of getting anyone at whatever ballpark it was is close to close to zero. And yeah, I mean, it might, yeah, I think it, just like I said, I did uh, Scranton Wilkes-Barre earlier this year, and I didn't think it was them. I thought it was like maybe. Yeah, I have it here, Drew. It was some uh, road to the show minor league baseball autographs from Lance Connolly. Uh, AAA Rail Riders have officially it shut was. down autographs due to people trying to enter the clubhouse. Yeah, that's terrible. I mean, I was in Scranton Wilkes-Barre. The collectors I was hanging out with were great there. I mean, there is absolutely zero reason to go in there. The players have to walk past you out there. You have no reason to go back in there. I mean, they're going to come right by you. If they want to sign, great. Then they're going to sign. If they don't want to sign, they're not going to, if they're not going to sign outside, they're not going to do it inside either. So there's absolutely right. no reason to be going in there. So it's terrible that that had to be shut down. Scranton Wilkes-Barre is a great ballpark for graphing. And unfortunately, it sounds like some idiots are just out there to try to screw it up for everybody else. So and whoever did that, nice job, guys. Thank you for ruining it for all the rest of us there. But Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, really, but, what do you want to do? You, you know, just, guys, be cool about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Be, be respectful. You know, don't go to places you're not supposed to go. The clubhouse is sacred ground for ball players and, and uh, basketball players and football players. I would never even think about going into a clubhouse and – uh, I don't know why you would think you could, it's okay for you to go into a club, sneak in the clubhouse, because the guy's not going to sign for you anyway. And hopefully they, they change their uh, policy next year. Sometimes that happens. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's just for the end of the year. There's only a couple more weeks left in the season. Hopefully they uh, they change they change it or, or, or make it a little easier someplace the way the guys will sign. I don't know. It's, you know, it's like PTM and right. You just send two couple cards out. The guys that send, 15 or 20 cards out you just ruining it for everyone else so right. you know just be respectful that's that's the the key to, you know it's a hobby make there's room for everyone and make it you know make it fun for everyone don't ruin it for you know just don't ruin it and, and kill the golden goose so to speak right exactly and uh, some other news uh, unfortunately from the uh world of sports and collecting this week also was uh, that kind of hits close to me my 11th cousin boris salming Yes, that's right. 11th cousin. I have actually have, I found a, uh, there's a couple of genealogy sites that I go through and was able to trace it back there. We are 11th cousins there, but uh, <laughs> I just started a collection of his cards about a month ago. It was actually at the national. I picked up my first few for, and I decided a couple of weeks before that, that I was going to buy more uh, August 10th. I just found out about it this week, but back on August 10th, he was diagnosed with ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. So tough to hear that that's uh, the, he's that that's the way he's going to end up going there for the next few years and everything. I mean, everybody knows what goes on with that disease and everything's just a terrible thing to go through. And so it's like, Hey, yeah, I'm going to start collecting this guy. Cause I'm, you know, distantly related to him. He's the, he's the only pro athlete I can think of who has any, a Sammy background in his, uh, in his ancestry there and find out now he's got ALS. Like, Oh my God, what, geez, what a, what a terrible way to go there. So yeah, really, uh, really sorry to hear about that. He was a good uh, signer for quite a while there too in Sweden. Did he, is he in Sweden now or did he settle, did he go back to U.S. or, or Canada? He's still, he's in Sweden. As, yeah, as far as I know, he's still in Sweden. He was, as of a few years ago, he would kind of bounce back and forth between the two, but typically was in uh, Sweden quite a bit. He actually owned a, uh, I think it's like a sports underwear company over there as well. And I think he was involved in some, uh, in floorball equipment making as well. But uh, okay. yeah, he was heavily involved in all that stuff, signed through his uh, business addresses there. But yeah, tough to hear that that's, uh, that he's been diagnosed now with ALS and that's, uh, unfortunately a, a tough future ahead of him do you have an autograph of him i do yeah i ttm'd him a couple of times so i've got a couple of cards of him signed there unfortunately um i think i sent a total of three times and 
the first time I had the wrong address and never got it back. And that included his rookie card, his Opeachy rookie card among it. So lost that one, but I did eventually get a few cards signed and got a couple of those and just trying to find whatever I can of him unsigned now. So uh, just to create a, create my own Salman collection there. Cool. Well, good luck with that. And sorry to hear that guys. We have a really great show for you this week. Uh, I spoke to Steve Sloan. Steve is the chief marketing officer for Collectors Universe, which is PSA. And we talk everything PSA and, and, and we talk about the hobby and collecting. And uh, Steve was a great interview and hopefully you enjoy that. We also have in our collector's corner, Sal Barry from Puck Junk. I'm going to get that right, Drew. Puck Junk. That one's hard for me. I don't know why. Yeah. Sal Barry is uh, an expert on hockey and hockey collectibles. And we talked to Sal about um, what's going on in hockey, about his podcast and, and uh, hockey collectibles. So that is coming up in the collector's corner. Next week, we have four, uh, college football Hall of Famer and former running back for the Minnesota Vikings and San Diego Chargers, Darren Nelson. Darren talks to us about his career and about signing autographs. He loves signing autographs. So uh, if you want to send a TTM request out to Darren Nelson, he is uh, he's, he signs everything just as it comes in. So we talked to Darren about uh, his career and collecting next week. And uh, we have Michael Bird from Naples All-Star Events. That's the All-Star Basketball Event, Legends of Basketball. It is their fourth event coming up, fourth, fourth time for the event coming up in March of 2023. And tickets go on sale next week. So we talked to uh, Michael about his event, some of the guests that they're going to have. I'm going to be heading out to the event again this year. So we talked to Michael about that. But that's all next week. This week we have Steve Sloan and Sal Barry, and we have all our regular segments, right, Drew? We do indeed. We've got Baker's Dozen, where we'll be talking about all the latest hobby news, everything that's coming up in the hobby world. Collector's Corner, as you mentioned, we've got Sal Barry joining us on there. We've got Making the Grade, where we'll talk about all things related to grading throughout the hobby. We've got the stamp of approval where Jeff and I give our two thumbs up to anything that uh, comes to mind here from the past week. The Vern Rap Minute covering all deaths in the world of sports, celebrity, music, politics, entertainment, anything. It's all covered in there. And of course, the main reason why you're here, why, uh, why we're here, our TTM returns. Guys, we'd love to hear from you. Send us a, a, a text, sometime a message on our text line. It's 978-729-0662. Once again, it's 978 978- 729-0662. Don't worry if you can't write it down quickly. You can either rewind or you can find it on our website, which is TTMcast. And Drew Drew has it in his contract. He has to read the email address. So, Drew, what's our email address? That would be TTMcast at yahoo.com. He does it better than anyone in the world. <laughs> Send us emails. We love to get emails. Drew, you know, before we get going, I got an email from one of our listeners, and, and I should have asked you this beforehand. He's a big uh, in-person guy, and he uh, his question to, to us was, really to you, was do you know if that the minor league all-star game is going to take place again next year? Do you, do you know anything about, about that? He said it's a great place for uh, in-person TTMing. It is the best spot for it. I did the uh, 2000, I think it was 17 Texas League game. Absolutely loved it. Cleaned up there. And I have not heard anything as to whether those are going to return or not this year uh, or next year. I hope they do, though. But, yeah, I haven't seen anything on the schedules, haven't heard anything announced at all yet. But, I mean, it's a great thing for the fans. Even if they even if they were to just reduce just like one all-star game at every single level, you know, a triple-A game, a double-A game, a single, a high-A and a low-A or something like that, even that would be great. But, yeah, when they did it as individual league all-star games, I loved it. I did well when I went to it the one time. And it's a lot of fun. So. 
I haven't heard anything, but I really hope they do bring it back. And as soon as we find out one way or another, I'm sure we will definitely mention it here on the show. We will. And and what's the address to, to send us a question? That would be TTMcast at Yahoo.com. There you go. We're keeping with the contractor. We're not, I'm not breaking that contract. <laughs> <laughs> well, that wraps up our introduction. Next, we're going to go right into Baker's Dozen. Baker's Dozen, sponsored by SportsCollectorsDaily.com. Smart collectors turn to Sports Collectors Daily to stay up to date. From new releases to incredible collections hitting the auction block, news from inside the business of sports collectibles, and much more, Sports Collectors Daily has it, all with no subscription cost. SC Daily also delivers a live look at the most watched sports card auctions on eBay for every sport. Sign up to get the headlines in your email for free or just visit the website whenever you like. With 16,000 stories in the archive going back 16 years, there's always plenty to read at sportscollectorsdaily.com. Baker's Dustin is his nude summary of what's been going on in the hobby. And uh, it's been a busy week. And Drew, every every week that we, uh, we start doing this, I'm like, what are we going to talk about? There's just not enough. What, we're talking about baseball cards here. How are we going to find enough content to talk about baseball cards? And every week, it's like, oh, my God, we have another two-hour show. It's just so much fun. <laughs> yep, we, we, we can always find stuff to put in there. So, yeah, it seems to work out. No, I know. Well, I just want to remind everyone to check out my article on uh, TCM and autograph collecting on sportscollectorsdaily.com. That's sportscollectorsdaily.com. It uh, usually posts either Tuesday morning or Wednesday morning. So check it out. It's a new article every week. And I, I run down all my returns. I have some tips tips in there. Drew sometimes gives us some content. It is, it's a fun article. So make sure you check that out, sportscollectorsdaily.com. And we made this announcement last week, but I just want to uh, let everyone know, remind everyone that on Tuesday, September 13th, from 8 p.m. to 9 p.m., that's Eastern time, we are going to have TTMcast live. We're going to do a live show, guys. On, it's going to be on the Internet. You just have to you click on a link and it'll bring you into a, uh, a meeting room and we'll be able to see a video. Well, you'll see each other via uh, video. It's, it's kind of like a Zoom meeting link type of thing. And you'll be able to ask questions and listen to myself and Les and Drew talk about TTM and talk about autographs. And we're going to try to do it for an hour. Maybe we'll do it for longer. Sometimes Drew and I start talking and we just can't shut up. Other times we're like, all right, I've had enough of you. And they, 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 Drew and Les say, okay, guys, Jeff, I've had enough of you. We'll, 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 we'll end this in five minutes, but we'll see how it goes. TTM cast live. It is going to be Tuesday, September 13th from 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. You can go to our website, ttmcast.com. There's a button there on the top now in the nav. You can just click on it. It'll be, uh, it says TTM Cast Live with the, the date and time. Click on that. It'll have all the information right there. And then uh, on the 13th, I'm going to have the live link. So you'll be, you'll be able to link right into the show. I'll post it on social media. And uh, please tell your friends. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Get your questions for Les. Les, is, Les will gladly do appraisals. And, and uh, if you want to show Les some of your collectibles, show off your stuff, this is a good way to do it because we will have video for this event so you can show off your, your successes. And, uh, you know, Drew and I will, will dress up. We'll, we'll, we'll dress up in, in our shirt and tie and we'll be very professional. <laughs> of course. If you, if you believe that, we have some swamp lamb in Florida for you as well. But it should be a fun event. So it's TTM Cast Live. Tuesday, September 13th from 8 to 9. Put it in your calendar and uh, watch for links. Um, that's, a, that's it for, for uh, blowing our own horn, Drew. I think we'll get right into news, okay? All right. Sounds good. 
All right. So our French uh, soccer star, Kyle Mbappe. Did I do it right, Drew? Kylian Mbappe. Kylian Mbappe. Kylian Mbappe. See, I was all worried about the Mbappe and didn't worry about the Kylian. Yep, yep. <laughs> he has signed an exclusive audio, audio, uh, audio, autograph deal with Panini, which is a great deal for Panini. It's right before World Cup. I'm sure they'll have all sorts of Kylian autographs in, in their uh, soccer offering. So congratulations for Panini for signing that. He's a big name in soccer. And we're going to have... Um, I'm going to talk to Clemente Lise next week about soccer, and we'll mention Killian. And uh, we're going to get uh, Clemente's take on the uh, Panini uh, stickers that are out and all sorts of kind of just talking soccer. That, that's what I'll be coming next week. Um, and then uh, we've got some news from Tops, Drew. We do, yeah. They a new Tops 2022 3D baseball offering. It's an online exclusive that is going to be coming out. It's got, uh, let's see here. Six base and two inserts per pack. Packs are going to run $20 each on there, and you'll be able to find those on Topps' website, tops.com. Definitely looking forward to that. Those 3D baseball cards are always kind of, a, kind of an intriguing thing and a throwback to the 70s there, I believe, when they first came out there. So really, uh, it's going to be cool to see like how the technology has changed in making those. True. I'm having a hard time focusing today. My mind is just like all over the place. <laughs> Look, I want to talk about that. No, I want to talk about that. Look at the pretty yeah. thing there. Like, there's so much stuff going on. Well, you know what? Our friends from Collects, Collects.app, their um, Collects Deals is now live, which is very exciting. The, the Collects app, if you haven't downloaded the app, it is free. It is a great app. It is fantastic. Drew and I have both, both used it. We used it at the National. I use it all the time. You scan your cards in, and then it gives you re recent uh, sales um comps so you can see see what these cards comp so if you're at a show you scan the card you want to see what a, a 1972 uh steve garvey's going going for you it'll it'll tell you right there the last four or five or ten twenty sales you can see what it's going for it helps you negotiate deals it is free to try well now collects deals you can um put all your cards in the the app which you still could but now you can sell them or trade them with people so uh, it's a really a neat feature. So check it out. It's uh, collects.app. You can go to collects.app uh, to get the download the app. It's free and you can do it on your phone as well. And uh, try take our use uh, collects deals. Let us know what you think about it. Oh, the Card Life has a new episode coming up. The Seattle episode is uh, coming to an end right now. September's is going to be out of Kansas City. So Make sure you check that out. It's on all the Bally Sports uh, affiliates and all the other, everything else related to that. So Masson, Nesson, all those kind of stations. You can find out their full schedule and info at thecardlifetv.com. Of course, you know, Jeff and I are big fans of that. He was on the Boston episode a couple months ago as well. So go and check all that out. And you can find back episodes on their YouTube channel as well. I'm going to, Drew, we're going to follow this one under people talked and they listened finally right national mm -hmm. dates or have been sites and dates have been released for the next three years and hallelujah there's no atlantic city Good. <laughs> atlantic city's broken guys uh, i hope they never have a show there again so we got 2023 is in chicago at the rosemont again it is july 26th to the 30th 2023 i will be there i'm sure drew will be there it's, it's going to be a good show we love going to chicago 2024 Drew gets to sleep in his own bed or his, or his dad's bed anyway. <laughs> it's in Cleveland. Yeah. Drew's hometown, the IX Center, right? They're remodeling the IX Center, right, Drew? Um, I think, yeah, they're uh, maybe doing some stuff with it. I know, just came under a uh, new ownership there. So it'll be interesting to see, uh, see how different it looks there for the next show. 
Yeah, it's a little earlier, but just uh, still the last week in, in July. It's July 24th to the 28th on two thousand in 2024 in Cleveland. So it's back to Cleveland 2024. And then 2025, we're going back to Chicago, July 30th through August 3rd. Uh, so that, that wraps us up three years, 23, 24, 25, 23 Chicago, 24 Cleveland, 25 Chicago. And 26, I hope they don't do Atlantic City. I really do that. It, that's my concern is that it seems like they uh, it seems like they would alternate cleveland every four years and then for a little bit it was atlantic city every four years in the uh in the years they didn't do cleveland there so i'm a little bit concerned there and so because of that uh, my friend aaron and i who did the road trip there we did 2018 we did 2022 we were talking about doing 2026 but since we don't know where it's going to end up and we don't want to end up uh, accidentally in new jersey again we're probably gonna do 2025 and go to the chicago show so we'll do it a year early but guarantees us going to a different place this time yeah you know what i i had the best time at the the national itself i thought the national itself was was great the convention center is fine the um the internet's a little sketchy but other than that in terms of um the convention you know it was fine it it, it was a, a a great place atlantic city is broken it is not safe i've heard horror stories from people we drew and I went to we went off off to the boardwalk and had something and I didn't feel safe going down to going down to the boardwalk and we you know with my my wife and daughter were there and I just I don't know it was it's not the place it used to be twenty you know I hadn't been in Atlantic City in twenty five years and mm-hmm. it, it's changed so uh, I'm glad that they listened to the the dealers and and the uh, the collectors and decided not to go to Atlantic City and. Uh, I, I hopefully they don't they don't go back in 2026. But that that's uh that's here there. We got some auction news to report. Uh, this is big news in the hobby, and, and it's been on. I've seen it on national uh, news all over the place. I've seen it on news programs, and we're talking, of course, about the Mickey Mantle card, the 1952 9.5 Mickey Mantle card, which is his uh, tops rookie card. It's not his first card, but it is his tops rookie card. Uh, went for. $12.6 million, which is unbelievable in heritage heritage auction. And Drew and I have talk, been talking about this. And, and I think in the long run, I think that might be a bargain. I think the guy that bought the card, the, the guy that bought it, it's been uh, anonymous so far. And I'm sure his name will come out eventually. But, um, you know, if that if the person that bought that card was somebody that was famous, that if it was a Jeff Bezos or somebody that was famous in Hollywood or, uh, you know, it was Shaquille O'Neal or, or somebody, if, if it adds even more um, luster to this card, I think it's going to, I think it's going to be a, a great buy at, at $12.6 million. So I think if you, in five years, it's a $20 million card, don't you think, Drew? I think so. I mean, we've seen it skyrocket in value because I mean, the guy who originally bought the thing in, what was it? 1991 paid $50,000 for it. Yep. So let's see a $12 million uh, sale price. Let's, let's see half million, 5 million. You're talking a uh, 250 times increase in price and value over that time. So that's huge. I mean, and that's over 30 years. And like you said, in five years, even if it maybe doubles in that time, which I think is entirely possible, that's another huge payday. It's, I mean, it's probably the best known card in the hobby with the possible exception of the T206 Honus Wagner. It's the best example of it that's out there. It's like, how can this not go up in price after this? 
Yeah, honestly, if I had twelve and a half million dollars, I would have bought it. That's, I mean, yeah. it, I think it's a great investment. And so somebody made a good buy, and I know people are, are shocked uh, at the number, and it's a, a record number that might stand for a little while. But there are three PSA ten mantles out there. Uh, they don't have the uh, story behind it, the Mister Mint uh, letter on the whole nine yards, but it's still. Uh, it's a, as you say, Drew, it's a great card. They're not that it, no one's going to come out and find a, a, a 10, a 10 Mickey Mantle. It's just, it's just not coming out of the wood. They're not coming out of the world. So I think it's a good deal. Some other things that in the heritage auction, they had uh, $39 million in sales, which is unbelievable. There was a 1979 uh, tops rookie card. Mickey, uh, Wayne Gretzky went for 1.2 million. That was a PSA 10 and 1918, 22 uh, Babe Ruth game used bat. When I went for 1.68 million, that was owned by uh, Frank Baker, Hall of Famer Frank Baker had it as well. So uh, congratulations to Heritage Auction. If you want to go listen to my interview with Derek Grady from Heritage a couple of weeks ago, uh, go back and listen to it because he talks all about how they uh, the Mickey Mail card came into their hands and how they um, decided, you know, uh, decided to get it prepared for the auction and um, the backstory on the card. So check it out. Uh, you can go. It was a couple, three or four weeks ago now. Uh, check it out with Derek Grady from Heritage Auctions. Um, I interviewed with him a couple, uh, three or four weeks ago, and I'm sure we'll have uh, uh, Derek on in a couple weeks to talk about the results from uh, this sale. But it's kind of cool. Leland has a big auction coming up. They do. There's a signed 1952 Mickey Mantle uh, tops card in there. So I'm sure that's going to draw a lot of attention and a lot of money as well. Uh, you remember that uh, Tom Brady last touchdown ball, quote unquote, that uh, sold a few uh, about a year or so ago, I believe it was the one that he threw to Mike Evans. Everybody thought it was his last career touchdown pass sold for over a half million dollars. And then he decided to come back and play another year. Well, that ball is back on the auction block again. I kind of doubt it'll hit the half million mark there again, but it's still kind of an interesting piece out there just because it's like, hey, this was what we thought was going to be the last one, then it wasn't. So, hey, cool, own this one. It's still a piece of history, nonetheless. Yeah, what do you I, think? Do you think it goes to like fifty to $70,000? Yeah, I don't think it'll hit the six figures at all, but I could see it going, uh, getting, it, it'll still be up there, I think, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it has, oh. a, it has a story behind it. It's not autographed. I bet if you get you can get Brady's and Mike Evans' autographs on it, it would increase its value. But I don't know. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a football. I, I'm not big on game-use stuff like that. Are you? Yeah, uh, not really. I've got a couple of uh, smaller items there and stuff, but nothing huge like that. And the thing is also, you just mentioned about getting it signed. If you're going to spend, you know, fifty to $70,000 on this football, I think you're probably willing to pay an extra 2000 to have Brady sign it through some, through one of his private signings somewhere. So I agree. That might be a good, a good way to go about it there. I've also got a bill Russell uh, warm-up Jersey from 1964, 65 season. Let's see, there's also the, uh, Oh wait, no, that's it. Okay. That's I'm having a little bit of trouble here with my eyes here. The last couple of weeks, <laughs> I don't know what's going on here, but uh, bidding uh, is open through September 17th. So a couple more weeks left to go on that. You can check it out at Leland's.com. Very cool. Uh, our friends at the Alana Sports and DroppingDimes.org, um, they have a, a signature series ball, ABA signature series ball that they they are selling. The all the money goes to uh, help former ABA players. It's LanaSports.com. This month's ball is uh, Rick Barry. Rick Barry uh, ABA signed ball goes for two hundred forty nine dollars, two hundred fifty dollars actually. 
And there's other guys you can get, Darnell Hillman, Larry Jones, George McGinnis, but this month's ball is Larry uh, Rick Barry. Check out lineofsports.com. They have all sorts of cool memorabilia, including uh, ABA ball, and uh, they have car- ABA cards and autograph cards and stuff. And all the money is raised going towards helping former ABA players at droppingdimes.org. So uh, check out lineofsports.com and the Rick Barry ball that is now up and available. Well, we have some uh, show news to report. A lot of shows coming up in the next weekend. We have the Granite State Baseball Dinner, which is going to be September 10th at Delta Dental Stadium, which is where the Fisher Cats play. And they've added some uh, additional people that are going to be at the show. Wade Boggs and Orlando Cabrera. But in addition, they've added Bill Lee, Rico Petroselli, Bob Stanley, and Dick Drago. So a lot of former Red Sox will be at the, the event. Uh, tickets are still available. I think they run between 50 and $80 I think 50 is general admission. I think 80 is VIP. You can go to MILB.com and put in the uh, New Hampshire Fisher Cats, and now you can get tickets there and get more information on the dinner. It is next Saturday, September 10th. I believe it starts at about 4 o'clock, so it is at the stadium. They're going to have all sorts of cool stuff. They're going to be having a, a batting practice. The guys are going to be hitting hitting balls, I think, and you can go be on the field and catch fly balls and all sorts of autograph stuff and there's going to be ballpark food and it, it's it's a, a nice event and uh it it is that uh i think this is a charity tied into it as well so check it out granite state baseball dinner september 10th uh i will be there so if you do end up uh going look for me i will i'll be there stop by say hello and, and uh i'll have i think i'll have some ttm cast stuff to give away as well so make sure you, you say hello to me at the granite state uh, baseball dinner at the uh, delta dental park in uh next week on the 10th got some uh show coming got a show coming up here for our southern collectors out there in franklin tennessee music city show takes place on september 9th through the 11th so next weekend there as well musiccitycollectibleshow.com is the site to be able to get any uh further information that you may need on that big name signing autographs we've got alan iverson is going to be out there along with ozzy smith a couple hall of famers right there Pete Rose will be making an appearance. Also have uh, football Hall of Famers in Lawrence Taylor and Jim Kelly and a couple of Atlanta Braves greats in Tom Glavin and John Smoltz. So once again, Franklin, Tennessee, next weekend, musiccitycollectibleshow.com is their website. Yeah, and that's just a small offering of who they have for signing. I, I, if There's one show that I wish I could go to is this one because this one looks like it's going to be a really great show with a lot of autographed guests. We have the Philly Card Show coming up in the end of September, September 23rd to the 25th. Ricky Henderson will be there. Jim Codd, who recently got elected to the Hall of Fame, inducted to the Hall of Fame, I should say. Jim Rice, Dale Murphy, Dwight Gooden, Jack Ham, John Cruck. Philly Card Show, September 23rd to the 25th. Go to phillyshow.com for information on that. Got another show to add to the calendar coming up in October, October 1st and 2nd, the Cranston, Rhode Island Show. That's taking place at Coventry High School. We don't have a whole lot of information about that one just yet. Uh, nothing, uh, No info about signers, website, anything like that. But keep an eye out for any info there. And as soon as we have it, we will definitely pass it on to all of you. But once again, Cranston, Rhode Island, go and check that out October 1st through the 2nd. Yeah, it's a really, it's a good little show. It's, um, I've been I've been to the ones in February and they're, they're having one in October. This is the first one in October. A lot of vintage cards at this show. A lot, a lot of great deals. I I've been to the show, I think, three or four times, and I've always gotten great vintage stuff. It's not just Red Sox stuff either. There's all sorts of cool stuff. And they usually have some good autograph guests. They've had Danny McLean and Jim Lomborg and Ernie D. Gorio. 
and, and um, a bunch of other guys. So uh, it, it's usually a good, it's a, it's a good show. They usually have good autograph guests. So we'll, we'll, we'll announce uh, more when we, we get information on that, but it's, it's a good little show at, in Cranston Island at Coventry high school. We have some new releases to let you guys know about. This is a good one. I, I really like this, this uh, release. It's 2002 Panini Luminance football, which is a, it's a really nice looking, uh, card drew have you seen the the cards before the luminance i have yeah i actually did some work on one of the football sets a few years ago and uh usually try to drop uh, some luminance stuff into the college um chronicles sets there as well but definitely photography focused which is always a fun one for us in the photo department to get to work on yeah it's a nice nice set it's uh it's it's been released it's to get three autographs and one memorabilia four packs of 10 cards which is not bad uh, for $250. So it's Panini 2022 Luminance Football just released uh, for $250. Got a, uh, an upper deck hockey offering here. Their 2020-21 clear-cut hockey. Product for the gamblers out there. This is another one of those single card products here. You get one single signed and case card. It costs you $175. But uh, for the hockey gamblers out there, that's the product for you. Go and check that out. Yeah, that's a little high, I think, in terms because like the tops ones are going for about $85, right? Those tops. Yeah, half that price there. So, uh, I mean, I haven't seen anything to know like what they look like or uh, who the uh, players are that are on there. But it, I mean, I would think it's an upper deck hockey set. So it's probably bound to have some uh, decent, uh, some bigger names in there. No, I agree. Well, the 2021-22 Optic Donruss basketball, you get one autograph and four cards per pack. There's 20 packs. So there's a lot of cards for for uh you and uh, boxes are going for about $200. So that's 2021-22 Optic Donruss basketball for 200 bucks. Well, for anybody out there that's a fan of punches and kicks to the head, we've got a UFC stuff coming out. The 2022 <laughs> Chronicles uh, product has now uh, hit the shelves. But out of that, you're going to see uh, six packs per box with eight cards per pack. It's going to run you about $170. I think that's Panini's first UFC Chronicles products. It'll be interesting to see uh, see all, all of that. Yep, that's pretty cool. Well, guys, that wraps up Baker's Dozen for the week. When uh, we, We're going to have uh, next uh, Collector's Corner with, with Sal Barry. Well, Sal Barry is from Puck Junk. I'm going to get that Puck Junk. I'm just going to keep saying that. That's a tongue twister for me. From <laughs> Puck Junk. It's a podcast on hockey, and he is a hockey collectible guy he has uh, sells hockey cards at the national and in various shows he uh, knows more about hockey collectibles than just about anybody and uh, i get to, i get to talk with sal you know drew you know sal very well um as a hockey guy and sal is uh very forthcoming about collectibles and we we, we talk about vintage collectibles we talk about new collectibles we talk about some of the stuff that's going on his podcast we have we've had we have sal on just about once a year i think and uh, we hadn't had sal on in, in a few years so we we saw, saw, saw sal at the national and said sal like you guys want to hear hockey my all my all our listeners a lot of my listeners are like hey you don't talk enough hockey well here we go we got sal barry so enjoy my interview with sal barry from puck junk what was your thoughts uh, sal on the kraken box set i thought it was a pretty nice set i mean like i uh, like i've said many times uh, about box sets. I'm a little annoyed that they've crept up in price, you know, $24.99 or $29.99 when they used to be $19.99. But it's a good solid set. You get 25 cards of Kraken players, um, guys who are regulars on the team. They didn't include everyone, obviously, but guys who are regular regulars on the team. 
and then uh, five season highlight cards, and then five parallel cards. There's like um, red parallels that are numbered, blue parallels that are numbered, um, a gold parallel that's one of one, and then another gold parallel. I think like the gold spectrum is one out of one, or gold something or other is one out of one. And then the regular gold ones are just like unnumbered. So if you're like a uh, team collector, you're going to go crazy yeah. trying to chase down all those uh, parallels, especially since I think the reds, I got a red of Mark Giordano and that was numbered out of 299. And then the blue parallels are only numbered out of 32. So those are going to be kind of hard to get. So, I mean, if you like that kind of challenge, great. And if you don't, oh, well, um, but that's, um, you know, it's, it, I like box sets. I like team sets like that. And I like the ones that include everyone. And I'll tell you, like, the Vegas Golden Knights set. Now, this was pre-pandemic. Now, with the pandemic, you have guys who get called up. They play for a game or two. You have taxi squad guys and stuff like that. So, I mean, a team might use 30, 35 players in a season, which is a little high for an NHL team. Sure. Um, but the Vegas set, I want to say it had pretty much every single player who played at least one game for them. But, again, that was the 17-18 season, so they had a pretty tight roster um, although they had like five goalies in that set because uh, their goalies kept getting hurt. Marc-Andre Fleury was hurt. <laughs> and then I know that like they eventually they had this call up kid named Dylan Ferguson who played 20 minutes. He got a card in the set. I was like so surprised, like, all right, that's cool. So I love that sort of thing. But again, that's why I like such like OPG and Upper Deck because, well, OPG includes a lot of players and Upper Deck includes most of the players. My dream is to have a hockey card set that's like, 800, 900 cards that has everybody. Actually, that has happened before. Um, Compendium. <laughs> okay. Don't was, recall. I don't recognize that name. No, 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 no. So Compendium was a um, EPAC exclusive set. And it was issued in three series. And each series was 300 cards. And it was a beast to put together. Yeah, because, a that's a monster set. Yeah, I still haven't finished my 1617 compendium set because it was an EPAC exclusive and because it was like this this kind of nonsense where you had to get like you get 10 they were digital cards, okay? Yeah. You get 10 of the same and then you can meld them into a blue parallel. And then that's a card that you can actually get delivered. So that means like if you wanted a Patrick Kane card, you needed to get 10 of the same Patrick Kane card to combine them. Then you have a blue one. I said, well, screw all that. I'm just going to let other people meld them and then put them on ComC and pick them up from anywhere from 27 cents to $10, depending who it is. But yep. I should probably finish that by Thanksgiving when ComC does their next uh, Black Friday sale. Well, you know, when I was a kid, Opeachy was always the uh, Canadian version of Top. So it was basically the same photo. Of, and then they expanded the the team sets and some of their offerings is that what opg is now for upper deck is that just kind of a expanded uh card set of, uh, for each team yeah but i mean it, it has nothing to do with tops now so no, i know with uh with, so yeah so i think top still owns the rights to opg but i think they just like maybe they either license it to upper deck i don't i can't see them selling it to upper deck because it's an ip and now nobody really sells IPs. You just buy a company, but nobody's going to be like, oh, we're not using this brand of cards. You could buy it from us, right? Now they'll, they'll license it to you. Um, so I think that's the arrangement. I, I haven't been able to get a, a story on that, but um, OPG tries to be like what hockey cards were in the 80s, 
But I hate to say it, in some ways, the cards in the 80s were a little better. Because what they do is uh, they print OPG cards on this brown card stock, and it just looks terrible. Like, the backs look terrible. Like, they're printed on, like, a paper bag. Yeah. And I get that they're like, oh, you know, we're trying to be retro and look like old cards. But even cards in the 70s and 80s had better contrast on the back, right? Um, so, like, I know, like, uh, last year, they printed them on white cardstock with black ink, and I loved them because it was just a little bit better, and they had, like, a black and white headshot on the back. And I'm like, all right, this is cool. But this year, if I remember correctly, I'm going to see if I have any lying around here. Yeah, they're more on, like, this brown cardstock, so they just don't look so great. I mean, the fronts are fine, but uh, and they do look like, retro hockey cards from the 80s or 90s and then they do like a retro parallel set that always look like cards from like the 50s or 60s so it's it's a popular set i know that um opichi for 2022-23 they haven't shown a sell sheet yet there's no pre-orders yet okay so i got spooked my podcast co-host tim who co-hosts the puck junk podcast with me he got spooked. He was like, all right, we're going to have to riot if they don't put out Opeachy this year. So I contacted Upper Deck and I said, nope, it's just going to come out later in the season. And I'm like, okay, cool. You know, it doesn't matter if it comes out in October or December. I'm going to collect it either way. So, um, yeah, I I, I, uh, I do like the set, though. And it's gotten better over the years. I mean, when Upper Deck started making Opeachy in 0607, it was actually a pretty high-quality set. I mean, it was on par with MVP or Victory, Glossy Fronts glossy backs, full color backs, just very nice UV coating, like what you think an Opeachy card would look like from 0607. Because yep. if you go back to 2001, 2002, Tops and Opeachy, because Tops was issuing Opeachy cards back then, they were just like that. But then it was like the next season, it's like, hey, let's take a giant step backwards and let's get rid of the gloss on the front and let's get rid of the color on the back. And, you know, I'm like, what's next? You're going to just stain one out of every 10 cards with wax just to make it feel retro. I mean, that's that that'd be nonsense. Is there any uh, new releases that are, are preferred by you for TTMing to get autographs? Are there any cards that are, are better than others to get autographed? OK, I well, I mean. You ask 10 different autograph collectors and they're going to give you 10 different opinions, but I'll, I guess you're just asking for mine. Um, no, I'm asking the experts, Al. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Well, um, when I used to be really big into TTMs, and that's something I've kind of stepped away from since I started writing more about hockey and, and um, stuff like that. So um, I haven't really, really TTM'd much, but um, any set with little gloss, so like the OPG cards from 0708 and up because they're they got the nice matte coating, mm -hmm. or even like the upper deck cards. Although we all would do the eraser trick with that, where we like rub it with like a white art eraser. Um, you know, retro cards are always great. Like any card from like the 60s, 70s, 80s, even early 90s, because you didn't really have UV coating with sports cards. I think until about 92, 93, I want to say like Fleer Ultra was like the first or one of the first sets. Because even though like the pinnacle baseball and hockey and football sets were kind of glossy, by like today's standards, they're not very glossy. So a lot of those sets, you could just, you'd get the card signed and they'd be fine. Um, are you, yeah, working, any, anything with are you working on any, I'm sorry, are you working on any vintage sets right now? Just not autographed, just are you collecting any vintage sets? Um... 
you know, I just picked up a couple of 70, 71 OPG Bobby Orr cards. Nice. That set's going to be a, a tough one to build because all of those OPG sets from the 70s are just so hard to complete. I mean, they're not impossible to complete. When I say hard, I mean expensive. You know, like do you want to spend $2,000 buying a complete set or do you want to piece it together? and try to do it for less, you know, and 2000 might be even be underselling. Um, Cause I think like, I'm, I'm trying to think like I did complete a 72, 73 OPG set. So now I'm kind of trying to complete 68, 69, 69, 70, 70, 71. Cause that was the first year where you had that split between tops and OPG. Anything prior to that was the same sold in us and Canada. I really love the 72-73 set. Uh, I think they, the OPG set, I think they added a lot of uh, different players. And I think they, I think that's, I, I like that set the best. But the, with the wood grain borders, the brown borders. Yeah. Yeah, it's a tough set for a couple of reasons. Uh, you know, it's condition sensitive because of those beige or brown borders. Uh, the other thing though, is that it was issued in three series. So like the first 110 cards, are pretty easy to find. The second 110 cards are a little tougher to find. And in the last 110 cards are the toughest to find. However, there's this rumor, and I'll tell you why I think it's a rumor, that the World Hockey Association cards towards the very end of that third series, people seem to think that they were printed in shorter supply. So if it's like an NHL card 221 to 330, a common might be $4, $5, and a WHA card might be $10. Well, I've talked to people who've seen uncut sheets of those cards, and they said, no, they're all printed in the same quantity. So it's not like they short printed the Bobby Hall as a Winnipeg Jets card or the Jerry Cheevers as a uh, Cleveland Crusaders card, et cetera, et cetera. But that set, I mean, those last, the last like 40 cards or wherever the WHA guys start in, that was just a chore because it was like $8 a card, man. And that's just for right. And comics. you're paying that for, for nobody's quote. Yeah. Unquote. And, and I completed, completed the set pre pandemic. So I don't even know if necessarily if those um, prices have gone up, they probably have because everything's gone up, but I am guilty of not like memorizing price guides and being like, Oh, look, this card that I have from five that I bought five years ago has gone up in price because once I have the card, I kind of put it out of my mind. Like I'm not looking for it anymore. Right. Like you're aware of what something you're looking for is valued at so that when you see one, you know, if it's a good deal or a bad deal, or if it's a high price or a low price or whatever, but like, once I own it, I'm not like necessarily um, gauging uh, what the price is at. And that's actually, that's actually kind of hurt me a little bit because I mean, I buy and sell at shows. I, I set up at shows now and people will come up to me and I'll just be thinking like, oh, that's a $60 card. And then I'll make an offer on the card. And then I'll realize later on, oh no, now no, that's a hundred dollar card. That's a $150 card. I haven't updated yeah. my, uh, my mental Rolodex of what that card should be valued at. What were some of the um, things that were really popular in your booth at the national? I know yeah, every time I went by there, you were very, very, very busy. And there was a lot of traffic. What are some of the things that people were looking for at the national? Um, well, looking for and what was popular with me a lot of times were two different things because I didn't seem to have a lot of the things that people wanted. Although when I say a lot of the things, it's really just the same five cards, right? 
Everybody wants a PSA 10 Ovechkin young gun, right? Like, how many would you like, sir? They're cheaper by the dozen. Sure. Let me just, no, like, they just got any PSA 10 Ovechkins. It'd be like, yeah, if I did it, it'd be, I, I didn't say this, but I'm thinking, yeah, it'd kind of be front and center, right? Um, but, uh, and not buried under like a $5 card or something. But, um, you know, people wanted Ovechkin, McDavid, Kaprizov, uh, because the national was in Atlantic City, New Jersey, um, you know, uh, Jack Hughes, Martin Broder, um, Flyers players like Eric Lindros, Bobby Clark, um, even Ron Hextall, you know, the old Flyers goalie. So like Flyers, Penguins, Rangers, Devils were all very popular, um, you know, to a lesser extent, maybe some of the other East Coast teams, not the Islanders, though. Nobody wanted Islanders cards. Um, one thing that people wanted was they wanted cards of players who were signing autographs. So I did sell a lot of those. Like, you know, if I had like cheap cards of this player who was signing autographs, they, they would buy it. Right. Um, and then, uh, yeah, but then just like I said, those aforementioned teams like Igor Shesterkin, everything that I had of his sold, everything that I had of Jack Hughes sold, everything that I had of Kale McCarr. My boy from UMass, Kale McCarr. Yeah, I mean, I could not, I could not keep those card, his cards in stock. Like somebody would sell me a card on like Thursday, and I'd put it in the case, and then it would be gone by thir later Thursday or early Friday, right? Like his cards were just turning over that fast. I'll tell you how well Kale McCarr sold. I had a Tops sticker from 2021 for five bucks, and somebody bought it. And we're talking about top stickers and you know how stickers get like no love in the hobby. Right? No like love, love at all. Hockey cards are up here. Trading cards are up here. And then stickers are like down here. You know what I mean? Like the, uh, uh, I don't want to say redheaded stepchild because I don't like that term. So I need to think of a, a, a more friendly term to say, but we could, I don't know, the unloved sibling maybe. And now, um, did you get any autographs? We, I know I saw Dennis Pop in there and Bernie Perrant, and there was some hockey guys. Did you get any autographs from any hockey guys? I did not because, uh, well, a couple of things. One, the prices at the National are pretty high. And, uh, I mean, Perrant was fair. I thought Potvin was a little high. Brian Leach was definitely, like, higher than what I wanted to pay. Uh, the other thing, though, is I was just so busy. Like, honest to God, I would sell at my table. I'd run to the bathroom. I'd run back at, by run, I mean like a nice little jog, right? Like, cause yeah, I'd come back and there'd be like four people at my table and my friend would be like, he wants to see this. He wants to see this. He wants, you know what I mean? So like, I, I didn't really have time to wander. Right. So going to wait in an autograph line for an hour, it was just not going to happen. Yeah. Not, not too realistic. Yeah. Well, I think maybe what I'll do next ahead, year. So. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to uh, introduce you again. We're speaking with Sal Barry from Puck Junk. Puck Junk is, he has a, uh, Sal has a great podcast. It's called Puck Junk. You go to puckjunk.com forward slash podcast. He has an online store. He has a blog, puckjunk.com. He has, he's on Twitter at Puck Junk. He's uh, has an email at sjb at puckjunk.com. And Sal is the hockey guy. He knows hockey collectibles just as well or better than anyone in the world i think he he is an expert when it comes to hockey collectibles and we're talking hockey collectibles and uh and ttming with, with sal yeah and yet i couldn't remember david Ayers a few minutes ago the zamboni driver um <laughs> uh who was the e-bug for um uh for the for the uh, carolina hurricanes 
Now you, we were talking, we were talking rookies, rookies always kind of drive product, right? Um, what are some of the rookies coming into this year that people should look out for in the 20, uh, 22, 23 releases? I don't know because they haven't released any sell sheets yet with any images showing us the cards of the players that are going to be in them. So your guess is as good as mine. I mean, unfortunately, um, Early releases, I, I call them the leftover rookies. They just kind of like, they say, oh, here's a guy who played in game 82 for, you know, the Columbus Blue Jackets because the game didn't have any meaning. So they brought up a few minor league guys to give them some playing time and that's their first game. So now they get rookie cards. So the thing is, is that Upper Deck has a cutoff date. They can't go past um, usually it has to do around the all-star break um, because what happens is, is that anybody who comes out after that cutoff date, anyone who makes their NHL debut after that cutoff date has to be held to the next season. So if you think about it, the really good rookies are going to get their first look in October, November, December, somewhere yep. around there. So they're going to be an upper deck series one, upper deck series two, or maybe upper deck extended, depending on when they made their debut. Um, for 22-23, I mean, of course, if uh, you know some of the early, uh, some of the uh, draft picks that were drafted this year um, end up making their debut in October, there's a good chance that they're going to be in Series 1 in December or Series 2 in March or whenever those come out. Um, I know Owen Power was uh, number all number one overall pick uh, last year. So if he mm -hmm. if he plays this fall, um, then he'll um, he'll uh, he'll be in those uh, <clears throat> those sets. But uh, you know, it just it just depends. I mean, the thing is, is that like it's been really hard for Upper Deck. It's been hard for card all the card companies. But like going back to say like 2020, 21, the first overall pick was Alexei Lafreniere. And Upper Deck took pictures of him just by himself at the rink, you know, like some action shots. And then the Players Association said, okay, we will we'll allow you to put him in the product in Upper Deck Series 1 because the Rangers already said he's going to be on our opening night roster. And we know that we need to have an exciting rookie to draw people into buying this product. But um, – that's the thing. I'm not sure yet who's going to be in the upcoming product because, you know, we just won't, we won't know until uh, at least when we see some sell sheets then we'll kind of get an idea. I know like one thing that drove um, 21, 22 products was they showed Cole Caulfield in all of those uh, sell sheets because he played some games in 2021 for the Canadians. So he was able to be an upper deck series one for 21, 22. And that was one of the two rookies that really drove that set. The other being Trevor Zegers. Yeah, I think um, upper deck's done a great job with the young guns. I think that's been a real uh, shot in the arm for them. Don't you? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, Tim and I talk about this on the show all the time. I mean, there's really, there's like, three brands of rookie cards that people go after. They either want a cup rookie card, which is going to be high end and that's going to be a rookie patch autograph, or they want a uh, SP authentic future watch. If it's autographed, especially if it's autographed, sometimes they're not, but usually they are, or they want a young gun. Those are like the three. If you, if you have those in your collection, 
those are considered the best ones. Young guns are considered probably the top of the low end or the bottom of the high end, however you want to look at it, right? But what's funny is that you could look at a set like, say, I'll give you like a for instance, like um, going back to Kale McCarr, right? Like his young gun might be like, say, 200, 300 bucks, right? I'm not, I haven't looked one up in a while, but like, let's say around there, right? But his artifact rookie, which is numbered out of like 599 or something like that, is going to be about 50 to 100 bucks. So you see, even though the card is numbered to like less than a thousand copies and the uh, young gun has infinitely more copies than that because Upper Deck doesn't release their um, their uh, print runs on that. And you got to remember, Upper Deck Series 1, Series 2 and Extended are sold at mass retail, like Target at Walmart. Right. They are sold um, at hobby stores. And hobby stores even carry retail as well as hobby boxes. And then you have the EPAC release. So there's a lot of these cards, right? definitely more than a thousand. So you'd think that the Kale McCarr that was numbered out of 599 or 999 would be worth more or have a higher value among collectors. And yet it doesn't. So I'd love to figure that one out. And then at the same time, even stuff that also doesn't have print runs, but are pretty easy to obtain, Opeachy, Victory, stuff like that. Very low demand, very low demand. I mean, you know, a Trevor Zegris young gun for a little while was like around a hundred dollars, but like his, um, let's see, didn't, there wasn't really victory this year, but like, say, like say Opichi or Parkhurst five to $10. So not even close. No, what, no, what amazed me sells. Um, we had just had the guys that got inducted into the hockey hall of fame and uh, on the radio show with Drew, we, 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 we always do a, thing, a big three thing. And we picked out the the five, I think it was the five rookie cards from the guys that made the Hall of Fame. And they all were very affordable. Is that that kind of surprised me when I started looking at some of these guys that just recently got elected to the Hall of Fame, but their rookie cards were uh, were, were pretty inexpensive. You can still get rookie cards for Hall of Famers at a at a good price in hockey, right? Yeah, for the most part. And that's because that was before Upper Deck started doing the uh, short short printing rookie cards. Right. So 99, 2000 or maybe 98, 99, 99, 2000, somewhere around there is when they really started short printing the rookie cards because prior to that. Well, now let me let me walk that back a little bit. 97, 98 and I think 96, 97 Black Diamond is kind of where it started, where you had like 100 base cards and then like 50 short printed rookie cards. Mm -hmm. Right. But you know what? They there were. Like say Joe Thornton, for example, when he retires and when he uh, is he's going to be in the Hall of Fame, you know, three years after he retires. Right. That's that's a done deal. It um, really it really pains me as a Bruin fan that he he's going to make the Hall of Fame. Why? <laughs> I because I remember I remember seeing Joe Thornton when he was a 19 year old kid at the Bruins uh, training camp. And he was like a surfer dude with the long hair. And mm -hmm. the and it, I, he, he always I always vision him as just some kid and you know what I mean? And he just never, he just never grabbed hold here in Boston for one reason or the other. And he had to go someplace else to really spread his wings. And it bothers me. Yeah. I mean, uh, but when he, uh, you know, he's got like easy rookie cards to find in like, say like upper deck and like upper deck collector's choice, but then he has like a short printed rookie card in black diamond. Right. 
So he has some easy rookie cards to find and he has a hard one. I know he's not inducted yet, but like going back to the guys who were inducted, they are pretty easy. They, they have pretty easy cards to find. Yeah. Um, it's going to get a lot harder when we start getting into guys in the early to mid two thousands who all their rookie cards were short printed, right. Then it's only going to be like a matter of time. Once those guys start going into the hall, um, then uh, you're going to see that you're going to see um, those cards obviously go up in value. Cause you know, the interest when a player is a rookie, when a player hits a milestone, when a player retires, when a player gets inducted in a hall of fame, when a player dies, right. Those are like the five, uh, phases of collecting that player's card, right? Yep. Have you seen any um, vintage guys? Because I'm more of a vintage guy than than, than a, a new card guy. Have you seen any vintage guys uh, increase in popularity over the last couple of years? And you know, I know obviously Gretzky and Gordie Howe and Bobby Orr and Wayne, uh, Ken Dryden; those guys are always going to be popular. But is there anyone that that that's kind of has his popularity has increased as the years go by? Guy Lafleur has had a surge this year due to his uh, unfortunately passing, his passing yeah. away. Right when I was at the National, a lot of people asking for Guy Lafleur cards. If I knew my geography a little better, I would realize that Montreal is not that far from <laughs> where I was at. You know, definitely closer than Chicago, which is where I'm from. But I, so I didn't really think to bring any low end Lafleur cards. I think I had like one and somebody bought it. It was like $3 card or a $5 card or whatever. And I really should have doubled down on Lafleur because I had other of his cards that I could have brought, but um, his rookie card and then like, you know, his autographs, of course, and, you know, other cards like that are desirable now um, a little more so since he passed away. Uh, so that's the one example that comes to mind of, of a recent surge in popularity. Mike Bossy. I, I was going to ask you about Mike Bossy. And that's the thing is that I actually had some good Mike Bossy cards at the show. I had a rookie card that didn't sell. I had an autograph card that was like numbered out of like 50 or something. It didn't sell. Um, I had like some early cards of his that didn't sell. It just, you know, there were like no Islander fans at the show. I swear it was, it was funny. <laughs> Maybe Islanders fans don't travel, right? <laughs> I don't know. They like, don't get pop- off the island. Now, I know Pop Dan's line was pretty big for autographs, though. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, people are going to like Pop Dan because he's a Hall of Famer because he had, you know, a great career. I mean, also he was um, a color commentator for the Florida Panthers for a long time. So, I mean, you know, he's going to have some popularity there as well. I mean, I remember like the first year I got into hockey, it was funny because um, I think Potvin was retired by then and he was doing studio analysis for the old sports channel America broadcast. He was an in-studio host. Um, which is kind of funny. Like I just missed out on seeing him play. Um, but, uh, you know, but yeah, he, he was in the studio. So, I mean, of course, I mean, we all know if you're a hockey fan, especially like an older hockey fan, you know who he is and, you know, you, you want his autograph, even if you haven't seen him play. Do you like any of the high end uh, releases from upper deck? I know, you know, there's so many different versions of cards out there. Do you, are you a fan of any of the high end cards? I mean, yes and no, they tend to be out of my price range and even more so now that breakers have really gotten a hold of hockey 
Um, you know, I mean, I remember like, well, you know, so it's funny, the cup hasn't come out for 2021. And we don't even know if it's coming out for 21-22. So, and that is the highest end set. But the thing is, is that Upper Deck does on-card autos and they need to have jersey pieces from game-worn jerseys. So that always comes out usually the middle of the next season. So 2021 cup should have come out in 21-22 and it didn't, right? So and now we're already on 22-23. So I don't know what's going to happen here. But, um, I mean, I remember thinking at one time, oh, $500 for a box, no way I can afford that. Well, now I can, but now it's not $500 a box. It's like maybe $800 or $900, but then again, the cup hasn't come out in like two years. So um, as far as high end, here's my problem with high end, is that you're going to spend $300 or $400, and you're going to get five cards. So you're going to pay like, say, $60 to $80 per card. Oh, Premier, that was the other, Ultimate Collection and Premier. I did I did write-ups of that. Um, and, uh, oh, and then also, um, not Chronology. Uh, yeah, Chronology. Uh, so, like, these sets that, um, your price per card is a lot, but you're going to get, like, one autograph, one jersey card, maybe a second autograph, maybe a second jersey card, and then, like, a base card. And, like, nobody wants the base card, right? Right. Like, I might be an exception to this, but I remember in 1617, I opened a box of Upper Deck Black. I loved the base card design. It just, you know what? It had every bell and whistle you could think of imaginable for a card set. It was numbered out of 299. And it had like these shiny, like kind of like a rainbow prismatic background, but not like the whole background, just like lines on it. And then there was like, the player had like a spot varnish on it, right? So the card had like a dull coat, but the player was like glossy and it was just a really nice looking set. And I remember tracking that down and my goal in my head was I was going to build the base set for cheaper than what a box cost me. And I was able to do that, right? Cause the box was like 250 or 300. And I think like the most I paid, I paid like maybe 50 for like the McDavid and then everybody else was like five to $10. And it was only like a 40 card base set. Right. Yeah. But most people don't collect the base sets, which is why I was able to, you know, okay, nobody wanted the Mark Schaeferly card. So I got it for 99 cents plus two ninety nine shipping. Right. You know, $4 out the door. Um, so um, my problem with the high end stuff is that you don't get a lot of cards for your money. I mean, back in you know, 10 years ago, in Black Diamond, you would get a box of Black Diamond and there would be multiple packs. Now it's one pack. Yeah, they are nice looking cards, though. They it's are. Black- you know, actually, I still have this box here unopened that I got to get around opening eventually. I've just been, uh, you know, from between the National and now it's just been crazy because it's like I was at the National and then I came back for two days and then I went out of town to Buffalo for four days for a friend's wedding. And then I came back and then I was sick with COVID for two weeks and then I got better. And then I had to get, get caught up on all my grading because I'm a college teacher and I was teaching a summer class. And then I had an article that was due for the hockey news. And so like all of these things just happened. So I've just been staring at these unopened boxes of cards on my desk like getting to you i'm getting to you just gotta gotta, (laughs) why don't you let us know what um what you have planned for the podcast it's puck junk is the podcast what do you have planned for the podcast for the next couple weeks well uh the podcast that we just released by the by the uh the time this show comes out we will have just released um 
a podcast about uh, what Tim and I think should be on the Mount Rushmore of hockey cards. Now, the Mount Rushmore of anything is such an overused trope. Oh, we're so tired of it, right? The Mount Rushmore of the New York Yankees, the, the Mount Rushmore of the, you know, uh, football players, whatever, right? Like, so everybody else does it. So we're going to do it too, right? So that's, that's um, one uh, topic. Uh, oh, well, well, wait, now, now you put the, the subject out. Can I give you my Mount Rushmore? Sure. My Mount Rushmore, of course, is Bob yours number one. Then Gordie Howe, mm-hmm. then Wayne Gretzky, mm-hmm. and I don't know a fourth one. Maybe in my mind is Ken Dryden because I loved Ken Dryden as a kid, but um, I don't know who. Maybe Gila Fleur. I don't. I don't have a. I don't have a definite fourth. How about you? Are we talking about players? Or are we talking about uh, players? Cards? Just players. Oh, just players, right? I mean, well, I mean, you know, Bobby I mean, Hall. Is he? Is he the fourth one? I, I mean, I don't know. I mean. Hull, maybe, but for different reasons. Um, but like, as far as just like greatest players, I mean, any combination of, you know, Gretzky, Howe, or Lemieux, just as far as players go. And I, I know that that doesn't really give us a goalie, right? But that's the problem when you have. Uh, right. That's why I was kind of leaning towards Ken Dryden, just because, but I don't know if Ken Dryden was the best goalie. He was just. He, you know, he he kind of had a short career, right? He, he retired fairly quickly in his 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 Hall of Fame career. Is, is Tony Esposito the guy? Is is uh, Terry Sarchuk the guy? You know, I mean, I don't know who the goalie would be. Uh, in my opinion, it'd be Patrick Waugh. Patrick Waugh, okay. Patrick Waugh, and you know, the thing is, is that like, if you think about it, Waugh won two cups with the Montreal Canadiens, and then he won two cups with the Colorado Avalanche. Yep. And I know the Avalanche were just the Quebec Nordiques. I'm still actually bitter about that. But, you know, in their first season, when they relocate to Quebec to Colorado, they win the Stanley Cup. So people who didn't know hockey, they're like, oh, this expansion team won the Stanley Cup. It's like, no, it's a team that was really terrible for a bunch of years. And they kept getting the first overall picks. Well, those first overall picks finally amounted to a championship, which is kind of like the idea behind it, right? That and good trades and stuff like that. Um but do you, I mean, do you think do you think Lemieux is a better player or was a better player than Crosby? Yes. Okay. I know that's that's it's. I don't know. I I don't know the answer to that. So I I mean Crosby's career isn't done yet. So I mean, look, Lemieux was six four, and for a big man, he was fast. He was fast. Oh, he killed my Bruins every year. The Bruins could not beat them. He was fast. He was skilled. He was strong. And I think of all the, the stuff, all the health problems that he had to overcome with the um, the non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and the um, uh, uh, the, the uh, herniated disc and the uh, chronic fatigue, right? <laughs> you know, and he, he, he made a comeback and he was successful, right? I mean, I... I I mean, look, Crosby's story is still being written, and right. he's he's definitely an all-time great. He's definitely one of the the greatest players of the 21st century. That's that's a given, right? And it, it gets a little hard to compare players across eras, right? I mean, was Gordy Howe really good enough to play until he was 52? No disrespect to Gordy Howe, but hear me out on this: Was he really good enough to play until he was 52, or was the the 
uh, was the uh, talent level diluted at that point? Because if you think about it, when Gordy Howe was playing in the WHA, there were like 32 professional hockey teams between right. the NHL and the WHA. We're at 32 NHL teams now, right? But if you think about it, 1966-67, you had six NHL teams. Six teams, right. By 73-74, you had, I want to say, 18 NHL teams and another 14 WHA teams, right? So, yeah, you could be 39, 40, 41, and just okay, but then you'd go into the WHA and you'd dominate, you know what I mean? So, by 79-80, I mean, when, you know, then we had 21 teams. And maybe that was a few too many teams for the natural organic growth of the league. But now if you think about it now, I feel like the talent level is finally the amount of NHL jobs and the talent level. They're finally kind of even right where you're really getting kind of a best on a best. Um, I I've talked to former NHL and WHA players from that era. And they'd say, you know what? Most WHA teams, they had one really good top line, but then after that it was just minor right and the game is different today than it was even 15 years ago with the hot the grabbing and the holding and the uh the speed of the game i think is is different than it was you know 15 years ago you know the speed of the game and the other thing that really annoys me and this is just how hockey is now is that it's really hard to beat a goalie clean oh i know these goalies are incredible in terms of the size and you watch a hockey game it's you know it's a bouncing puck it's something off some guy's it's butt a deflection it's a deflection. And that's the thing is that somebody takes a shot and then you got a guy in front of, front of the net who deflects the puck so that the goalie is tracking the shot the way it's going. But then the guy in front of the net gets a piece of it and, and changes the trajectory of the puck just enough that it, it beats the goalie. And that's kind of, I want to say that's kind of boring. I mean, you think back to like, I mean, this was before my time, but Gila Fleur, you know, busting down the wing and gliding in and then skating and taking a shot from the high circle and it beating the goalie. Right. Uh, I mean, you're still going to get those great one-on-one things, um, breakaways, penalty shots, shootouts, stuff like that. I mean, you're still going to get things where like players beat the goalie like fair and square, but so much of it is just deflection, deflection, or like fake shot, which I guess is okay. If you like fake the shot, but it's really a pass. And then the guy, chips it in. I mean, that that's cool. I kind of like that kind of sneaky stuff. But yeah, I, I think that other, that deflection stuff is just such a bummer. But that's just the way it is because goalies are good. But, I know. You watch the play- Sal, you watch the playoffs now because the teams are so di- close that that's what happens. That's who wins. You know, it, it's always some stupid, you know, deflection or bounce out of a puck or some weird play. But I mean, I mean I've had this argument with people so many times, though. Isn't it more fun, though, that we have teams that are evenly matched and like the team that's better narrowly beats the other team or maybe the team that's not better narrowly beats the other team? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, wasn't it kind of dull when we just we looked and we're like, all right, we know the Avalanche are going to sweep the Panthers. And then what they did. And then it's like, okay, we know the Red Wings are going to sweep the Capitals. And they did. Right. You know what I mean? Like, wasn't that kind of boring? to just like you have one really powerful team and then you have like another team that was like good enough to get there. But, um, but then they're just going to fall in like four straight, or maybe they'll, they'll get to a fifth game, but it's really going to be kind of no contest. 
Um, I think I, I think that was kind of terrible too. But then again, it was kind of awesome to have like really powerful teams like that. Like I think of the 2002 Red Wings, just how ridiculously stacked that team right. was. They, and the, even the Edmonton Oilers, they would they would just mow mow everyone away. In the in the Islanders back in the 80s. They were yeah. always, they always far superior. Well, we're talking to Sal Barry sales uh, podcast. It's called puck jump, puck junk, puck junk. I'll get it. Sal puck junk. <laughs> he's got a lot of, he's got a great topic uh, this week. Make sure you listen to it. Um, is there uh, any shows that you're going to be at? Are you going to be exhibiting at any shows uh, coming up that people can stop in and see you? Yeah. So actually I just exhibited at a show that was sponsored by the, uh, the Ludex app for um, uh, like pricing cards, mm-hmm. you know, you take a photo of it, it gives you comps of, of the cards. So Ludex was sponsoring a show in Rosemont, Illinois, not the big show that happens in November and March in Rosemont. That's called the Chicago Sports Spectacular. But uh, this was a, a smaller venue. Um, and I will be set up at that show in September. I think it's September 24th. They just had it in August. They're going to have it again in September. Uh, what was nice about the show uh, in in August was that they had free autograph guests. Oh, that's and nice. It, it's it's almost like, I mean, so this is this is why it was such a great show because when you're a dealer and you're set up at a show, you want to have people come. I've done shows where like nine o'clock. And it's dead silent. It's 9.05, nothing. Maybe by 10 o'clock, a few people come, right? It's, it's hard to get people to come to shows sometimes. It, it just depends what it is. Plus, it's like a one-day show. This had free autograph guests. So that brought in the people. And the free autograph guests were kind of spaced. One was earlier, one was later. And then they had a paid autograph guest. That, that was a big enough draw that people came and paid to get his autograph. But then, so you had all these people coming to the show so, you know, they'd go to the, they'd go and, and shop and buy cards and stuff. And so it was great. You know what I mean? It was like, so the dealers will want to do the show again because customers came. The customers will want to come because there was free autographs. So it just, it was like a great show. So that'll be September 24th. I don't know who the autograph guests are yet. Um, and then I will be selling at the Chicago Sports Spectacular in November and I might be selling it another show sometimes in October, but I'm not quite sure yet. Got to see what's, what's coming up. Are you going up to Toronto for the show up in no, in November in Toronto? I am thinking about going, but just as a spectator slash customer slash fan. Have you been to that show before? I have not. And I've always wanted to. And I keep telling myself one of these days, one of these days, well, it's, I'm going to do it. I'm almost positive. I'm going to do it. I keep saying, out loud, I'm going to do it. So I commit myself to doing it. You know, my concern is always with COVID and stuff like that, right? Because yep, I know with the national, we had, we had this horrible COVID. Well, but at least you could travel from state to state. It's a different thing when you're going over a national border. I mean, like, even when I was like in uh, Niagara Falls for the wedding, I said Buffalo was actually Niagara Falls. Um, and I was just like, oh, cool. There's this bridge and I could just walk over it. And I'm in Canada. But then people are like telling me, well, you got to download this app and you got to like prove like your COVID vaccination. And then you have to like figure out what happens. Like if they randomly test you and you're positive, like where are you going to stay and all this stuff? So I'm just like, oh, I, I, I don't know any of that. So I just I just put it out of my mind. Like, OK, whatever. 
I'll actually plan a trip to Canada and I think I can just wander over a bridge and, and be on the <laughs> other side of the border because you can't do that now. Um, so I think that's the one thing that spooks me a little bit is like, I want to go, but I don't want to be held up at the border. So I'm just going to kind of do my research a little bit and see how I can approach this best. You know, the thing is, is that I work as a teacher at DePaul University in Chicago. And so I teach in-person classes. I take mass transit to get to my job. So I'm out in public and then I'm teaching in a confined space. And do the schools say, oh, COVID, let's lessen the amount of students. Heck no. They try, they still try to jam as many people they can in there, right? They tell us to be safe and they tell us to wear a mask and there's hand sanitizer in the room, but you know, they're still going to cram you know, 30 students in a room that seats 30. So it's, I don't know, maybe I'll have to self-quarantine two weeks before I go to Toronto. Maybe that'll (laughs) be my plan. I'll just make my class online those last two weeks or something and just stay home and avoid everybody. All right. Well, Sal Barry, thank you very much, guys. Check out Sal's podcast. It is Puck Junk, puckjunk.com. It is, uh, they have a new show every week and he uh, hosts it with, with Tim, right? What's yes, Tim Parrish. Tim, Tim his co-host with him, and uh, they do a great job. He has a website, puckjunk.com. He has a blog. He is on Twitter. He is on Instagram. He's on YouTube. He's on, I'm Facebook. on Facebook. Drew Sal's the man, isn't he? He is. I mean, he's got. Uh, I mean, in addition to that podcast, he's got a couple. He's got a Facebook group dedicated to uh, all the stuff from punk ju- from puck junk. There. See, now I'm screwing it up. I'm calling. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, yeah, he's got a great, uh, great uh, Facebook group on it there. Uh, when they had that virtual uh, Canadian show a couple of years ago there, where they had the, uh, it was like the, uh, the big Toronto Expo, they had to put it online there during the COVID years. And uh, they did a whole virtual show. And so I was in his booth there quite a bit. It was me and uh, Paul Buxton, who's another former guest of the show. Uh, all hanging out there with Sal and Tim, just talking all sorts of hockey collectible stuff, other people randomly dropping in stuff. Great conversations in there. And yeah, I mean, Sal just has this encyclopedic knowledge, it seems, of hockey collectibles out there. So he's always got some cool stuff to say on the on the hobby. Yeah, he also writes an article uh, on collectibles and the hockey news. So yeah. he is he is hockey guy. Well, hopefully you enjoy some hockey talk with, with Sal. Uh, and we're going to try to add a little more hockey. I know you guys like ho- hockey. We have a lot of hockey fans out there. So we're going to and drew and i are both hockey guys so we will de- we'll, we'll definitely try to include a little more hockey talk in, a, in our podcast but we hear you so thanks sal thanks thanks for uh, stopping by next up when we return when we return there's no commercials in this show we just keep on going it's not radio <laughs> we're going to talk making the grade making the grade is sponsored by certified sports guarantee go to csgcards.com for sports card grading for the win well, making the grade is a summary of what's been going on in the grading community. Got some nice news from our friends at CSG. CSG has lowered the minimum number of cards for submission for bulk services from 50 cards to 25 cards, which was really huge. You can get cards graded now for as low as $15 with a 30-day uh, turnaround, which is really cool. So uh, CSG d- does a great job. They're, of course, one of the top three or four grading companies out there. They uh they, you know, they're been a sponsor for our show for a couple of years now. We, we we love the guys at CSG. We spent some time in their booth at the National. But go check out CSGcards.com. Uh, sign up for their, their service. And, and the bulk service going from $50 to $25 is great news for, for any collector. 
I've got some uh, grading numbers from all of the grading companies for the month of August. PSA, their numbers were, uh, let's see, 895,000 cards uh, graded over the past month there. That's down 11%, but still, I mean, some real big numbers that are going through their, uh, through their facilities. CSG, 72,000 cards graded. That's up 7%. Uh, SGC, 75,000 cards there. That's a 40% increase right there. So a real big month for them. Beckett down quite a bit, but they're moving into a new facility. So I think we can probably go ahead and let that slide. 41,000 cards going through their, uh, through their facilities there. Uh, right now, it looks like it's baseball, football, and soccer are the big ones that were up for this past month. So uh, good to see those uh, going through. And once again, healthy numbers there from the grading portion of the hobby. And yeah, coming up, we're going to have uh, Steve Sloan from from uh, Collectors Universe PSA to talk about the hobby and, and grading. So that, that's coming up shortly. I uh, just want to congratulate Beckett for uh, updating their site. They've updated their website. Uh, it looks great. I, I check it out. It, they, they've really uh, brought it up, up to snuff, so to speak. Uh, so just check it out, Beckett.com. Um, they, they've upgraded their website. If you haven't been to their website, go on, go on their website and... Uh, you can sign up for their free newsletter and they've got all sorts of information there. So uh, I think that wraps up making the grade for the week. Next up, we're going to have our TTM cast stamp of approval. I bet you're wondering who earned this week's TTM cast stamp of approval. Drew, do you want me to put it on you or do you want me to do mine? Either one. I can go first. You can go first. I'm good with either one. All right, I'll do mine because I know what mine is, and I'll be surprised by yours. Usually, right. for, for a little back back of the 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 room stuff, Drew and I go through the show and what we're going to talk about. But Drew says I got a surprise for you, so I'm not. He didn't <laughs> give me he didn't give me my stamp of approval. So I'm gonna I'm like you. I don't know what Drew's stamp of approval is, but my stamp of approval is uh, bags and boards. I, I uh, in the last I don't know two weeks I've been bagging and boarding. All my magazines and programs, uh, I have over 300 programs uh, that I've just been sitting there, sitting down in a, in my basement on a shelf. And I was like, you know what, I should really protect these. So I'm bagging them up and organizing them. So uh, I'm going to tell you, it's the, it's WC, yeah, I'm sorry, BCW, dyslexia said Nindro, BCW, <laughs> thick magazine bags and boards. You get the mat, you get the bags and the boards. Uh, uh, you get a hundred of them. They go for twenty seven forty eight on Amazon, and I, I've ordered three hundred, three, three, three of these already. And they, they come in like a day. You order them, and then like the next day, they, you know, or a day later, two, uh, you know, two days later, you have them. And it's just it. it Amazon is un- incredible. I don't know how they do it, but they do do it. So check it out. It's B C W thick magazine bags and boards. It's a it, it it's so easy to do. You throw the board in, you throw the bag, you, you put the magazine in, you put the bag in, the ma- uh, uh, the bag over the thing, and now there your magazines and, and programs are protected. Uh, it, it's a great deal, and it, it makes them a lot easier to organize, and you don't have to worry about damaging them. So, bags and boards gets my TTM cast stamp of approval. All right, Drew, the pressure's on. What right. is it? To be for full disclosure. It wasn't necessarily a surprise so much as I'm sitting there going, oh, God, I need to think of something. God, what am I going to go with this week? Um, give me the first 30 minutes of the show, and I'll try to think of something. And I finally did. <laughs> and so, You're not supposed to tell them that. You're supposed to be like, I got this great surprise. I, 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 I bought I this Christmas it. present for you six months ago, and <laughs> I got it ready for you. <laughs> I, I can't oversell it. I, I, can't, uh, I can't really do that. So 
But okay, so it is a well-known fact that everybody likes cupcakes. This is undisputable. This cannot be fought. I mean, there. If you disagree with that, then well, go away. Get out. Get get out of here. We 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 don't need that negativity around here. But uh, there's this great. Now, okay. Imagine though, if you will, it's two a.m. You're up for whatever reason. Maybe you know you're watching a game that went super long out on the West Coast or something like that, and you want a cupcake. What is a person to do? Well, there's this great place that's called Sprinkles Cupcakes. It has a few places all around the country. We've actually got two of them here in the Dallas area. And the reason I thought about this is I have to, I'm hitting one up on the way home after band practice later this afternoon. But there is a cupcake ATM. If you can imagine that. That's 2 a.m., awesome. you want a cupcake. You can go down to a cupcake ATM and buy one from there. And it's automated and it'll spit out the like up to four cupcakes per purchase basically at this thing. And so Sprinkles Cupcakes, they've, I mean, they've got a whole bunch of amazing cupcakes. They change up the flavors every so often. They've usually got like, they'll cycle one in as like a special one of the month or a special one every couple of weeks. They've got some online exclusives if you want to order online there and pick them up later in the store and everything. But the Sprinkles Cupcake ATM, this is a defining moment of, of my life in food, I would have to say. I mean, a fat chooch like me, obviously, that's, uh, there's a lot of those defining moments in there. But the Sprinkles Cupcake ATM. This is a great development. It is an absolutely amazing thing. And that gets my stamp of approval for the week. So I'm going to have to hit one up here a little bit later today. And what's your go-to flavor? What, what is your go-to cupcake? If they ever, whenever they have it, their Cuban coffee one is an excellent one. I like that one a lot. Uh, the chocolate marshmallow is good. Their, uh, their cinnamon ones are great. You really can't go wrong with any of them that they make there. But uh, I'm really looking forward to it. They've got one that's coming up as one of their online exclusives later in the month. It is like a cinnamon toast crunch one. And it's like, Ooh, all right, I have, good. Yeah, I have to try that one out. They've got, actually, there is a, uh, the one they've got coming up as their online exclusive is this cornbread and hot honey one, which could be really interesting. It's oh, like my God, cupcake. I would love that. She loves cornbread. Yeah, it's this cornbread, uh, cornbread cupcake topped with a, like, cheddar kind of a uh, sauce. It's or ch- a cheddar icing or something like that and drizzled with uh, hot honey on top. So I'm like, all right, I might have to go and order a few of those for pickup for next week i'm like a seven-year-old kid drew if you you put sprinkles on anything i'm, I'm like oh i have to have that yeah exactly <laughs> you know what i mean it's just that's awesome drew see it was well worth the wait anytime you can get food yeah. in there cupcakes that's a good one yeah it's it's sprinkles sprinkles cupcakes is the cupcakes. name of it. yeah it's uh they're, i believe came i believe they came out of california originally but they've spread out all across the country at this point like i said we've got at least two of them in the dallas area that i know of and yeah, you can find them all over the place. Typically, kind of like the hoity-toity boutique mall type areas there and everything. But still, I mean, if you can find one, it's worth stopping and uh, getting one, whether it's from the ATM or from in the store or ordering online. Definitely check them out. It's some great stuff there. One of the best cupcakes, and I, you, you, you had a chance to do it because you were in the area, is Georgetown Cupcakes in, in Washington, D.C. They've nice. been featured on a couple of programs, and I, we went there, uh, I don't know, a couple of years ago with, with the kids, and Oh, I think those are the best cupcakes I ever had. They they were huge, all sorts of different flavors, and the line. Oh my God, the line to get, to get in there was incredible. <laughs> it was kind of like um like Modern Bakery or um or, or Mike's Pastry, you know, in Boston, where the, yep, yep. it's just incredible. But now now you're making me hungry, Drew. I haven't had breakfast yet. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, Drew. I, that was well. That was worth the wait. Next up, we're gonna have the Vern Rat Minute.
All right, Drew, before we get into the Vern Rap Minute, I did it. I, I, I swore I would never do it again. Mm-hmm. I sent a TTM request out to somebody that passed away. Ooh. I was I, I got the card back and a little, you know, note from them saying no, so so and so passed away. Bob Parsons, who was a punter, I, I oh, had yeah. his I had his card and I I don't know why. I must have missed it on on one of the sites and I, you know, I was doing football and I was going through it and I always, you know, I look through my cards and I, and I usually pick, I honestly, I pick out kickers and punters cause they're usually pretty good about signing. Right. Uh, so if I see a, a, a punter, a kicker card, I pull it out and I pull, pulled it out and I must've said, okay, I'll send it out. And then he passed away. So yeah. I apologize. May a culpa, but the Vern rap minute is dedicated, of course, to Mr. Vern rap who passed away uh, prior to me sending out his TTM, a TTM request and his family sent me in, uh, back a note. And uh, we just do this as a service to our fellow TTMers, but people that have passed in the world of sports and celebrity and sometimes sometimes politics. So you're not embarrassed like myself. I thought I'd never do it again, but it, it happens. <laughs> I apologize. So uh, we lost Steve Corden. Steve was uh, a guard for the 76ers, Philadelphia 76ers, in 1964 and 65. He only had one TTM request, but he, he did sign it. Um, he ended up, he ended up, Drew, being a radio guy. He was a oh, wow. uh, manager of a radio station for a long time. Uh, Steve was 79 years old. Uh, we lost Lee Thomas this week. He was an outfielder for a number of teams back from 1961 to 68. He's a member of the 1962 All-Star team, but he played with the Yankees, Angels, Red Sox, Braves, Cubs, Astros, bounced around all over the place there. He later went on to be the GM of the Philadelphia Phillies at one point. Longtime excellent TTMer. I got him a couple times over the years there. But uh, yeah, he was 86 years old. Yep, we lost uh, Stan White. Stan was a defensive uh, end. He played for the University of Tennessee in uh, college. He played for the Buccaneers and the, and the New York Jets. He played seven seasons in the NFL from 1976, 1996 to 2002. He was young. He was only 48 years old. Uh, Stan was a, a great TTMer. We're, we're sorry for your loss. Over in the hockey world, we lost to Orval Tessier this week. He was a center for the Bruins and the Montreal Canadiens. Played from 1954 to 1960. Uh, not known to be a TTMer at all, but he was 89. We lost uh, football coach Ernie Zampezi. Uh, if you're from New England or, or Dallas or the LA, you remember the name. Ernie was a big uh, part of all the Patriots teams that, that went to the Super Bowl. He was kind of um, Bill Belichick's right hand man. He was the coach for Dallas. He played coach for the Rams and Chargers and the Patriots. He uh, did sign a few TTMs. Ernie was 87 years old. In the boxing world, Ernie Shavers died this past week. You may recognize that name from fights with Muhammad Ali and Larry Holmes. Career 74, 14 and one record. He was active as a boxer for a long time, 1969 to 1995. It's a long career right there. Not known to be a TTM at all, though, but he was 78 years old. And lastly, in the world of baseball, we lost an original uh, San Francisco Giant. He, he played oh, for wow. the New York Giants and San Francisco Giants. He played for the Giants. He played from 1957 to 1963. He was a pitcher. His name was Pete Burnside. He uh, pitched for the Giants, the Tigers, Senators, and Orioles. He also pitched a couple years in Japan, and I guess he was on the uh, championship team in Japan and had a, a great, great career after uh, MLB in Japan. He was um, 92 years old. He hadn't uh, TTM since 2014. But, um, you know, as an original giant, I don't think there's many original uh, San Francisco Giants left. We lost Pete Burnside. He was 92 years old. 
Well, that wraps up uh, Burn Rap Minute for the week, where our condolences and sympathy go out to our friends and family. We are sorry for your loss. Next up, we're going to review our TTM returns. Was our mailbox full this week? Let's take a look at this week's TTM returns. Well, Drew, I had a, a pretty good week in returns, and I, I got a couple of RTSs as well. Um, you want to run down yours? I know you had three or four. I think I had like 16 or 17 returns this week. Yeah, I had a kind of a short week, but what I lacked in quantity, I made up for in quality for sure. I mentioned last week that I had this one probably coming in, and yes, it did indeed arrive. Uh, Matt Williams, who of course is one of the coaches with the Padres now, longtime uh, third baseman in major leagues for the Giants, spent a year with the Indians before going to the Diamondbacks. But um, I had a set need on him from the uh, 72 minis that they put in the 2013 top set. So mailed that off along with uh, anyone out there who collected in the mid 90s might remember Leaf Preferred. It had a one card in per pack that was it had a they had like I think it was like five or six uh, base cards per pack, but also one card per pack that was a steel card. Literally, you could take this thing and pick it up with a magnet if you want to. And, <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's a few of those that I was able to find it with. Uh, only, I think it's like a 72 card set of those. There's 77 card set of those. And unfortunately, out of those 77, I think only like two or three are reliable free TTMers. But Juan Gonzalez is one. I got him to sign his several years ago. And Matt Williams is on one of the other ones. So I grabbed that and mailed it off as well. So fortunately, I got both of those back signed. So uh, really happy to add him in. It was about maybe a five month wait on those. I think I sent just before the season started to spring training. Uh, got Peter Stastny back this week as well. Hockey Hall of Famer on his rookie card. to pick up the rookie at the National for just a couple bucks. Held a bit of a wax stain on the front, so I was able to wipe that off and give a nice uh, clean surface there for it to get signed on. And came out great looking. He has a $10 fee, so if you send off to him, make sure you put that in as well. Uh, Ken McMullen, another card that I picked up at the National for my 72 set. This is one of those high number ones, so I ended up having to pay quite a bit to be able to get it, even a lower condition there. So... Uh, it was $9 for the unsigned card, but fortunately signs free. So I was able to get that signed, add another one to the 72 set. And the last don't, one don't, I picked up. Drew, don't, don't, don't you love the old Angels Halo? Uh, oh, yeah. Logos. Those Absolutely so cool. do. And fun thing, if you ever find his uh, the 1972 card of Billy Cowan, he was an infielder there for the Angels. They positioned him just right so that a the big A outside the stadium, the halo of that is literally right above his head on that photo there. So some. Fun stuff by the uh, Tops photographer on uh, Billy Cowan's card in that set. But uh, the last one I was able to pick up was uh, Dwight Stevenson. I grabbed his rookie card off eBay for a couple bucks there. It's another Hall of Famer. Uh, he has a $5 fee. I put that in. I asked if he would put his Hall of Fame year on which, as you'll see there, he didn't do. But it's a signed Hall of Famer's rookie card. I will take that Hall of Fame year added or not. So happy to add that one in. I mean, like I said, that's, you know, two Hall of Famer's rookie cards. It cost me $15 out of pocket for their autographs only. So. Not bad to be able to pick those up at a reasonable price and add those in. Very good. Thank you. You're, you know, we're, 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 we're going along again, guys. I apologize. Don't <laughs> I just like to talk? So I'm going to run quickly through my returns. I'll just say that all these returns came within uh, less than two weeks time. None of them came with a uh, donation request. Uh, a couple of, I got a couple of RTSs. I got an RTS from Bruce Smith uh, from the Buffalo Bills. He just said, uh, I just, I got a uh, refused. So you know, sign uh, written in black ink. So I don't know if he's not taking TTM requests. And then I got to uh, took a picture with Bernie Perrant at the national. And I sent him a picture of me and him that I took at the national and he sent my uh, picture back, but he didn't sign it. So I don't know. 
Not sure why he didn't, but he, yeah. so those. So I guess Barney's not signing, even though it, it was not. It was just a picture of me and him. Anyway, so I got a bunch of uh, returns. I'll quickly go through them. I got an '83 Tops football card. Uh, R.C. Theismann. He was a Pro Bowl guard for the Atlanta Falcons. He signed his name in blue. Uh, Sharpie and he's put his number in. I got Lonnie Young who played for the St. Louis, the St. Louis Cardinals, the Phoenix Cardinals. He signed his name and his number and he put a smiley face uh, on his 1986 tops card. I got Jim Breach. Jim Breach was a kicker for the Bengals. He signed his 87, 86 and 87 tops card, signed his name and number. I got Mike Ken who was a Pro Bowl tackle. He played for the Falcons and uh, he signed his 83 and 86 tops card in, in blue Sharpie. I got uh, Lyle Blackwood, who played for the Miami Dolphins. He was he, his uh, his brother Glenn played with him as well. He signed his '83 tops card with a, a Bible verse in his number. Is Lyle the one that is Lyle the one that lives in the Dallas area now? Don't oh wait wait. He sent me he sent me a uh, he said I asked him if he wanted to be on the show and he sent me I'd love to record your show but uh, as long as you don't do it on Sunday because I go to church. Cool. <laughs> So uh, we, might have, we have a message out to Lyle. We might get Lyle on the show. So yeah, he's uh, if I remember right, he lives here in the Dallas area, and he's my he's actually my fastest response time ever on an autograph request. I yeah, I haven't got back him. In, so I, I saw yeah. the card and I was like, oh, that's a kind of cool card to get. Yeah, I got him in a three days since I mean he's right here in the area here. So literally across town, he probably signed it that day, got right back in, and three days my fastest ever. But he was the one for that. So yeah, no, my fastest one is I sent. Uh, I had a picture that I. I had um, Rico Petroselli sign at the the national, right? Yeah, it was a '67 when they he you know they when they clinched the playoffs when Rico caught the ball. Well, yep. Jim Lomborg is up kind of in the front right of him, and he's jumping up. And Kalia mm-hmm. Stremski's in the way back, and you can see the left field wall. Anyway, so I sent it off to Lomborg. Lomborg lives like I don't know half hour away from me. Yeah, I sent it to him like on a Monday, and I think I had it back on a Wednesday. Jeez, that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so like that's awesome yeah so thank you jim um so back to my returns i got uh bob thomas bob was a kicker for the san diego chargers he signed in blue sharpie he also did a, a bible verse and i love the the guys that lo- that that are uh religious that those those are great ttmers <laughs> really yeah a lot are. of time though i mean they'll sign just about everything and usually put a different verse on each one too yep so I got um, Curtis Jordan. Curtis Jordan was a safety for the Washington Redskins. I got him on his 86 and 87 tops football cards. He signed his name and a number in black Sharpie. I got a Hall of Famer Russ Grimm from the Washington Redskins. He signed a Hall of Famer 2010. He also put hogs because he was a member of the hogs. And uh, he signed it. No, no donation required on that. I wasn't, I sent it off. I wasn't sure if he was a donation guy, but mm-hmm. he signed it and returned it in, in a couple of weeks. I got uh, Buddy Curry. Buddy Curry was a linebacker for the Atlanta Falcons in the 80s. Uh, he signed his name. He also said, uh, signed from 80 to 87, and he put his number. And uh, he signed in, in like a less than two weeks, and he signed his 83 tops card for me. I signed. I got sent two cards off to Tony Nelson. Tony, El- to- no, no, Tony Nelson. Tony Nelson's from my wide I Dream of Genie, guys. <laughs> Tony Nathan who played for the Miami Dolphins. He was a running back. He played for the Dolphins. He put uh, Tony Nelson, Nelson, Nathan, Tony Nathan. I'll get that right. 79 to 87. And he said, uh, go fins and uh, signed it and put his number. And he, he personalized it to me. He signed his 83 and his 86 tops card for me. I sent uh, Tom, uh, Kevin house. 
who played for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He was a wide receiver. He signed in Blue Sharpie for me. And World of Baseball, I got um, three cards back from Frank Thomas. I picked the, the original Frank Thomas. I picked up his 58 card at the National for like a dollar because I knew who he signed. And I hadn't had, didn't have his autograph. So I sent it off to him. He signed it in Blue Sharpie. He also sent me two, um, I don't know, autograph uh, replica cards. One that he's a, a Met and one who's a Pirate. They, I don't know, they're just kind of custom cards he had made up, but they're nice cards. So I got those. He added those, he added those two as well. And then I also got a 66, 66 Rich Beck rookie card. He's on the card with um, Roy White. And uh, one of the guys that I met at the National just gave me the card. He had had the card. And he says, you want this? I'm like, sure. So I sent it off to Rich Beck. He was a pitcher. And uh, he signed it for free. And I just sent it off uh, this morning, actually, to Roy White with the $10 to get that one signed off. It's, it's, it's a nice card. It's in great condition. Cool. So I, I got that. And then lastly, this one was through a, a private address. So I can, I'm sorry, I can't give out the address or how I got the card and, and the picture signed. But I sent off uh, Marcelo Meyer, his first Bowman, Bowman card, and a picture of him and I that I took at spring training this year. And uh, I, he signed it, the card and the picture for me. He returned it in um, probably less than two weeks. It was a, a pretty quick turnaround. Um, so I want to thank Marcelo and the people that, that got that done for me. I can't give out. The, the circumstances behind it because I told it was a, I told them I would be uh, I keep that private but I did did I didn't say I could I couldn't show my my uh, my return so that's pretty cool and then I got I sent off um, thirty football cards um, two days ago I think to request nice. and then Drew I have a super secret one for you that I sent off today that I can't tell I can't tell people it's super secret guys I truthfully I can't tell you people. But uh, I'll tell I'll, I can tell you later. This All right. <laughs> it's it's a kind of a cool return. And uh, if I do get the return, I'll, I'll let everyone know. But I've I've been uh, sworn to secrecy for for a couple of weeks until uh, until the, this this one gets out. So I, I I don't think this person wants the the person that signed to be inundated with with a lot of cards initially. But we'll see. But Drew Drew, I think I'll tell you that one. All right. <laughs> So that wraps up for returns for the week. And guys, please, even my good, good listener friends, please don't ask me. I can't tell you, but I will tell you when it, when I, when I do uh, get the, the return. So uh, that wraps up returns for the week. We're going to go uh, right into our TTM cast interview. This week's interview is brought to you by certified sports guarantee csgcards.com for superior sports card certification and grading. Well, I had the pleasure of speaking with Steve Sloan. Steve Sloan is Chief Marketing Officer for Collectors Universe, uh, which is also part of, PSA is part of. And uh, we talked to Steve about what's going on at PSA, what's going on in the hobby, what's going on in grading. And uh, Steve was very forthcoming about everything. So please enjoy my interview with Steve Sloan from Collectors Universe slash PSA. But first, here's a message from our friends at CSG. There's no better way to kick off football season than by getting all of your favorite football cards graded with CSG. The -the state-of-the-art CSG holder is the perfect home for your gridiron favorites. And with even faster turnaround times, you'll receive those 2022 rookies back in your hands well before the season is over. To get started getting your collection graded and protected, visit csgcards.com today. Joining the show and welcoming Steve Sloan from his offices in California. Steve is Chief Marketing Officer for Collectors Universe, which is uh, P- 
PSA is part of. And we're going to talk to Steve about grading, about PSA, about the hobby, about the national, about all sorts of things that have been going on. So welcome, Steve. Hey, thanks for having me. There's plenty to talk about, that's for sure. I, I know. You know what I was I was just thinking? This, our hobby has seen unprecedented growth and change in the last two years. And PSA has really been in the forefront of that. Um, the, you know, if you want to just go back a little and what transpired to have you guys, PSA, um, you know, shut down taking in new cards and, and catching up on, on the backlog log that you guys have, uh, you know, kind of been chipping away at. Yeah, well, in fact, the great news is we're just about completed with that backlog that really took form in early 2021 as the peak of COVID kind of hit the hobby and created a huge groundswell of interest in card collecting. So at, at this point, fast forward, you know, unfortunately, all these months later and the backlog is is finally uh, just about out. We project to have it completed by uh, early part of September, mid-September. And at that point, we'll shift to shipping some of the new orders that we've received in 2022. But as everyone knows who's familiar with the hobby, it was really uh, just that huge, uh, just uh, groundswell of interest from a lot of new collectors being home because of COVID. Did the um, the, the the opportunity? I'm going to say an opportunity to to kind of shut shut down taking new entries and kind of step back. Did that let you uh, look at how the processes of taking cards in and dealing with cust collectors and, um, you, you know, even the, 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 the enca encapsulation, did that help you change the way you guys operated? It did. It was actually a, a nice convergence of events because also in early 2021, we were acquired by a new ownership group. We were a publicly traded company under the NASDAQ ticker CLCT. Uh, we were sold to a, a group led by Nat Turner, who I think most hobbyists are familiar with. He's a huge collector and really takes the collector's mindset into his work at collectors. And so I think one of the first things Nat did was assess, you know, the operation as an area of focus. And we went right to work. We hired a new chief operating officer uh, named Mike West, who's done an incredible job of growing and uh, our operation, refining some of the systems and processes. And so at this point today, not only have we grown our capacity, we're about 45,000 cars a day shipping out of our offices in Santa Ana, but we've also expanded our footprint. We have new offices opening in New Jersey. We have new offices in 2023 opening in Japan. So all of these things combined will add more capacity that will allow us to get cards back faster to collectors. One of the new things that you guys have is the PSA vault, which I am just fascinated by the, the whole concept of it. I see it envision this big vault from from like, uh, you know, Ocean's Eleven. That, <laughs> with the, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> is, it. That what, yeah. is that what it's like? Can you give, give us a you know, it's something new that, that people might not understand or, or uh, understand why they why it happens and, uh, you know, what are the benefits for, for us as collectors? Sure. Yeah, I, I got the chance to tour the vault. It is in Delaware. Uh, when I was out in Atlantic City for the National, so I drove about an hour out of AC and, and checked it out. And, and it is state-of-the-art. I mean, from the operational flow, which is obviously a big part of getting your cards adjusted quickly, efficiently, imaged, and then secured. And in terms of the security, top-notch, class three bank vault, um, multiple entry doors to make sure that you know it, it's completely secure, armed security, 24 seven 365 cameras everywhere uh tons of controls just for the security element it so you know i think anyone familiar with vaulting i think security should be something that uh you just feel comfortable with and you know that's kind of taken care of it's the other things that the vault brings that i think that really intrigue collectors i think the biggest 
uh, refrain, and I'm, I'm one of these, these people we hear is like, I want my cards close to me. So how does vaulting uh, allow me to enjoy my collection? And one of the great things that Nat's new uh, hires have done, he's added an incredible product and tech team to, to the company. They built incredible software to support the vault. So if you submit a card to PSA, you can have that card automatically routed to the vault. You don't have to take it back, ship it. It can just go straight to the vault. And with that, they're going to image the card front and back in a high resolution way. They're going to create a, a, a listing inside your account where you have information on the value of the card, uh, population reporting, everything you need to know through an app on your phone uh, regarding the card's uh, you know, uh, critical details, pertinent information. And so it's like you have the card with you, but in, in a way you never have to to worry about your house getting broken into or a flood in your basement where you might hold your card. So a lot of those things uh, really take peace of mind for a lot of collectors. Now, is there a value that um, the card has to have to be to rest in the vault? Are you going to take my rookie Fred Lynn card and put it in the vault? Or <laughs> you know, right you know now I mean? we're that's price, that's yeah. priceless to me. <laughs> yeah, and we recently surveyed uh, our customers about this, and and most customers wanted high value cards in the vault. But the second category behind high value cards in the vault was was actually low value in terms of what they would want to uh, store in the vault. And so uh, for me, that just means that people might have a large collection and it's difficult to manage and you're not sure either what the current value is today or, or where you've stored it. Even having to find it can be a chore sometimes if all the cards start stacking up. So uh, the, the criteria right now is $100 or higher for, for value. So, um, you know, I think that's a pretty reasonable threshold for a lot of collectors who might have you know, some cards peaking into the hundreds maybe into the thousands that they just want to have peace of mind around we're speaking with steve sloan steve is chief marketing officer for collectors universe which is uh psa is part of and we're talking about uh grading and things that are going on in psa and we're talking about the psa vault is there a charge for the collector to have a, a card stored in the vault and and how is that handled there's no charge so if you create a submission on psacard.com today through the online submission center there's an option ship my cards free to the official vault of psa you click that button, you won't be a charge for the card going into the vault. Now, there, if you want the card back before 90 days, there is a small exit fee. But if you keep it in longer, then uh, that fee is waived and you can you know, hold your, your card securely uh, and have it available uh, for actually a point of sale. So at, at that point, what we're looking uh, at this point, what we're looking to do is add a marketplace option. Uh, when you think of vault, you might think of PWCC or eBay. Uh, these uh, sites have a marketplace function tied into it. Um, ours is kind of novel. We turned that on the head. We made this about grading and authentication, but we are going to be giving liquidation options on the back end. So um, totally free to store it in the vault. If you'd like to sell it, you'd have the connectivity to Golden's marketplace, which they're adding uh, new marketplace uh, sales in the near future, meaning weekly sales, monthly, of course, a little bit more premium cards. So what that's going to give collectors the option to do is liquidate. So say you're in the football season and you're a football card collector and one of your guys is having a really strong uh, streak and you think, hey, this might be a good time to, to put my money elsewhere in a different guy, uh, you would have the option to liquidate, get that cash into your account. Very cool. We're going to step back into a little grading yeah. 101 if, if we can. Um, you sure. know, there's a lot of new collectors out there and, and people that might not have submitted a card to get graded. Um, how do collectors submit a card to PSA and what needs to be done in terms of prepping the card, packaging the card, and, and what are the steps on, you know, you know, people are, are afraid with the backlog that, you know, the horror stories, we haven't seen a PSA card in two years. And, you know, what, yeah. 
Just yeah, to, um, assuage to the collector that's out there that, that might have some trepidations about submitting a card to PSA to get graded. Yeah, first off, I just have to say the backlog, as I mentioned earlier uh, on this call, is, is almost over. So the, the days of year plus weights are over. We actually have an internal goal to make sure all cards are returned, regardless of, of service level. So even if you're at the low end service level, to get all those cards back within 90 days back to the customer. So um, as a marketing group, you know, we're trying to really make sure that people understand that just because PSA takes your card in, it's not going to be a long wait anymore. We, we've, we've got the backlog under control. We've expanded our capacity, as I mentioned, with new offices in New Jersey and plus added space in California. So um, that is not going to happen again. That was really just a, a, uh, a moment in time, if you think of all the converging events with the popularity of the hobby or COVID, things like that. So if you'd like to submit to PSA, it's a pretty easy process, but I can understand if you never put a card in the mail, you might have some concerns, but everything's fully insured. So if you create a submission on our website, you have to create an account, obviously, but there's a very kind of step-by-step process through the online submission center. So you go in, you create your account, you tell us what uh, type of grading service you'd like. So would you like to grade a trading card? Would you like to grade a ticket, a pack? You select exactly what you'd like, go to the next step. It's gonna ask you some questions. How quickly would you like it back? What price are you willing to pay? What's the value of the card? All those things step-by-step you get walked through until finally you just have to print out the form, put it in a box. When it comes to securely packaging your cards to PSA, we recommend card savers. Uh, which are kind of the semi-rigid sleeves. Put a penny on your card first, then put it within the semi-rigid. From there, you want to put it between two cutout pieces of cardboard. Everyone has Amazon boxes right now. Just grab one of those, cut it out in the, sh- in the shape of a, of a of a card, a little bit bigger. Sandwich those together so you create the cards in the middle, the cardboard on the outside. Put some rubber bands around it. And that's really a great secure way to ship your cards. Of course, put some bubble wrap in the box along with the submission form, ship it off to us, and we'll take care of the rest. Do you recommend sending it with some type of tracking number or that's not the, the... Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. So you, um, we are going to be adding shipping options directly to the website next year, which will be a nice feature uh, in the future, but definitely want to ensure your submission and make sure that you're covered for the declared value of the card. So one of those steps on that online process is we're going to ask you what your cards are worth. And that's for insurance purposes, mostly like in the event of a loss or, or damage, we want to make sure you're compensated correctly for that. So uh, very rarely happens, but it's one of those you know, legal things we have to take care of. But with that, um, you definitely want to ensure your, your shipment to PSA. We're speaking with Steve Sloan. Steve is Chief Marketing Officer for Collectors Universe, which of course includes PSA. And we're talking about PSA and submitting cards to PSA. Um, I know there's, men, there's a, a number of service levels offered and uh, kind of a two-part question. Is there a dollar value you uh, recommend a threshold where it makes financial sense to get a card graded? You know what I mean? I, ha- I have a rookie Wade Boggs that's worth $20. Is, is, it, is it worth my while to get that card graded or, 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 or really should I wait and, you know, send, send my, my 1969 um, Tom Seaver? You know what I mean? Where, what, what, do you, yeah. what would you recommend? Uh, it depends on your motivation, right? Um, I think for a lot of low-end cards, meaning in value, if it's twenty dollars, I mean, grading has to be a decision about um, probably something more about the, the structure of your collection. So, do you want to add that card to a, a set registry checklist? If, and if you would like to do that to complete your your uh, Red Sox rookies uh, checklist, then yes, that's a great reason to have it graded. Um, if you're looking to have it secured and preserved in the same state that is is today, and you you just like to have the condition uh, notated. Maybe you're going to pass it on to a to a family member. Then, yeah, that's a great reason to grade it. 
If you're looking to maximize the value, it typically uh, works best if it's a higher grade card, meaning you know the, the corners are sharp, the centering's nicely uh, done in middle, top to bottom, left to right. It doesn't have much surface wear. Really, research is the key. Uh, make decisions based on what you're seeing in the marketplace. What are threes, fours, fives, sixes selling for if it's a mid to low grade card? And make a determination if financially you're looking to sell the card if it makes sense based on uh, what you estimate the value to be worth post-grading at those different grades that I just mentioned. Um, grading is going to cost you in, in today, $30 is our lowest price. Um, that may change. Check our website. You know There are specials from time to time that we offer to our Collectors Club members. And with that, you might make a, the decision that, hey, because this is a special price and it's only going to cost me, say, um, $20 to grade this, I think that I'm into the card for $10. That's $30. Uh, maybe I'll add a little bit more, just call it 40 bucks with everything else between shipping and and and, and taxes. Um, uh, I think I can get 60, 70, 80 dollars for it. Then then you can make the decision if it's worth grading for you. But um, really, like what we saw in the early backlog days is everybody was just throwing everything out to get graded. Sending right, sending cards. Yeah. And, and and that that was, I think a lot of that was a mania. This idea that every card once graded is worth, you know, uh, worth tons of money. And so we were seeing a lot of guys, unproven prospects, Bull Bull, uh, Kobe White, uh, NBA player, like guys that really hadn't proven themselves. Now, Wade Boggs is a different story. He's a guy that I think a lot of people are going to know about in 50 years. And so it's just a decision based on your intention for your collection. Are you a set builder? Are you a team team collector or a player collector? Um, there's different motivations for grading, and it's not just always about value. Have you seen a lot of... Um increase in terms of people sending in ticket stubs and programs and unopened packs is that is that really uh ramped up in the last year or so i think anything uh, collectible is really ramped up and it's really been uh interesting to see tickets in particular i think people realize that these are artifacts these are tangible moments of, of sport and in, in the case of say baseball world series tickets or home run uh, milestone tickets tickets have taken on a, a new life with psa and I think if you follow example, Darren Ravel on Twitter, he's a big ticket collector. So he's always showcasing his recent submissions. And there's just so many fun themes you can get into as a collector around tickets, um, whether it's music concerts or uh, sporting events, there's uh, something for every type of collecting interest. And I think that's what appeals to people with tickets. Yeah. You've been collecting for a while and, and um, you know, I watched the, the, the grading trends and reports, on a monthly basis and it's really cool but for people that aren't into it as much as you and i um mm -hmm. what what are you seeing in terms of grading trends in terms of uh, popularity of cards uh you know popularity of athletes and uh were you, you surprised as a collector how much basketball and football has increased in popularity over baseball you know i i was uh, especially in 2021 and early 2022 basketball for the first time in psa's 29, 30 year history actually became the number one submitted category to the company. Now that's since reverted back to baseball. Baseball has regained its 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 uh, crown as the number one submitted category to PSA, uh, which you know really makes sense. It has the deepest vintage catalog of all the sports. Yep. Uh, it continues to be incredibly popular here in the United States. But there are some really emerging categories that many collectors may not think of uh, as sports collectors in the United States. One is Pokemon cards, um, TCG. It's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing. Yeah. 
So Pokemon is actually our number two category behind baseball as of July. And that might surprise people, but if you look at the top 10 cards submitted to PSA, and I'm looking at the list right here on my computer screen, eight of the top 10 were all Pokemon cards. And so that just shows you the concentration of interest in some of these key Pokemon cards where people are like, oh, this is a, this is a Charizard card, or this is a um, Mewtwo, or I, I'm still learning all the characters, to be honest, but my, my kids are into it. But um, that, that really has taken me surprise, by surprise. I would say, too, that um, we... we in, we, we know that Pokemon is a global phenomenon. It's not just in the United States, it's international. Our offices in Japan are going to cater to what is really the Poke Center of the world in, in Tokyo, being uh, the home to a lot of the TCG community. Pokemon is there, Magic the Gathering. There's Yu-Gi-Oh, of course, is huge in Japan. All these things combined make up the TCG category for us, which is incredibly popular. As a marketing guy, are you surprised at the changing demographics of our hobby? I mean, five years ago, most of the hobbies were 50-year-old guys collecting vintage cards, right? Yeah. That's no longer the case. It's not, and it's great to see. I, I actually um, i am really happy about it because it's something I can now share with my kids, and they have interest and awareness around cards, around grading, around PSA. Um, my, my daughter made me a, a birthday card recently and she actually put PSA on my shirt that she drew a little picture of me. And I was like, okay, she's starting to, it's starting to click for her that nice. uh, what dad does. But, um, definitely, you know, if you went to the national and I, I know I met you there, um, you saw how many kids were in the attendance. Um, it was great to see many more females uh, on the show floor collecting and doing business behind tables, uh, trading, uh, buying, selling. Um, I think the hobby is for everyone. It should be. No matter your interest, that's the beauty of cards. It's not just baseball cards anymore. It's Pokemon, basketball, football, soccer, hockey, you name it. Um, if there's an interest, you know, trading cards can fill that, can check that box for you. We're speaking with Steve Sloan. Steve is Chief Marketing Officer for Collectors Universe, which uh, PSA is, is encompassed in. And we're talking to him about uh, collecting and grading and, and, and what's going on in the grading market. Uh, you guys had a huge booth at the National. The lines there were incredible. Uh, what are some of the cool items that, that uh, came in to be graded at the National? Tons of amazing trading cards. And we actually just released uh, Nat Turner's Top 100 cards that he uh, personally selected as his favorites from being submitted to PSA at the show. So I encourage, uh, if you're interested, to go to psacard.com and uh, check out. It's the first thing you'll see on the homepage of the website. But uh, this is kind of an annual tradition now that Nat's the uh, CEO of the company. He, he's obviously a huge collector. So um, if you can scroll through that list and any collector, you know, you just love scrolling through lists of cards, beautifully imaged, and you get to see cards maybe you even haven't seen in either years, decades, because you didn't know where they were or they hadn't surfaced. But obviously, a lot of ultra modern cards are seeing downtown one of ones and gold vinyls and you know football, basketball, baseball, but uh, also TCG cards, uh, non sports cards. There's a, a Ted Lasso card. Uh, that was submitted that made the list. Um, I'm a, a huge baseball fan. There was a, a, a tons of vintage uh, cards that were submitted. There was a, the classic uh, upper deck Mickey Mantle and King Griffey Jr. dual sign card from uh, was that 1992 or three? I'm blanking right now, but just beautiful cards overall. I really encourage uh, collectors to check out that list on PSACard.com. We just had a, a record uh, realized this weekend with the 52 Mickey Mantle, uh, the, the 12.6 uh, yeah. $12. million. Um, do you think that was a bargain? Do you think someone got a bargain? I do. For that card? You know, I, 
I think there's only so many marquee high-end cards in the hobby. And when they surface that you can see what happens, people jump on them because they know that this may be a rare opportunity to own greatness. And so um, you just have to think about, you know, the three PSA 10s out there that are on private collections that haven't hit the light of day in decades. And why is that? Because people don't want to sell their high-end cards once they have them. They know that yep. uh, there's great appreciation behind that. You see that with uh, Ken Kendrick and his his Diamondback collection. He has just incredible cards in a high-end fashion that he's planning to hold for, for quite some time, including his Wagner and a PSA 8. So this is uh, just, I think, uh, a symbol that when you get, uh, I'll call it fine art of trading cards, you don't want to give it up because it's a status symbol and it's it's something that no one else can claim to have. So I think it's good for the hobby when these marquee cards do show up on the market and, as you can see, sell for huge numbers. Kevin Keating and his team do a great job with the autograph authentication. Um, once you can just, you know, a lot of my listeners are huge into autographs. What's yeah. the process of, of doing that? And what, what happens if uh, someone gets a car, has a card or an autograph that they know is real, that they, they were there, they were literally there when it was signed, but it, it comes, comes back as not being uh, authenticated or unable to authenticate. What is, what's the process in, in uh, dealing with that? Yeah. Well, that, that, that's one of the biggest challenges with third-party authentication of autographs because, you know, the, the refrain that I got this signed in person is a common one that we hear. But if the signature is atypical to the signer's style and exemplars that we have in file, we really have no choice other than to either kick the autograph, punt on it, so to speak, and not authenticate it or, uh, or, or turn it down outright. And the reason is because we're putting our brand against uh, known exemplars, stuff that uh, is typical for the signer. If the guy signed in a rush or, you know, had a couple of pieces of paper on someone's back and they were moving, yep. trying to sign it quickly. Unfortunately, uh, we just can't authenticate that because it's, it's too far off the standard or the norm. And so um, if you feel that your signature is, is typical and that we, we didn't uh, certify it. Um, you, you can look to the letter. There's some further examples of why we might say that uh, we, we couldn't authenticate it. Could be slowly drawn. It could have atypical slanting. Um, it could uh, just be rushed or it could be a facsimile. That's another thing that people sometimes overlook is the fact that this may have been an auto pen or a facsimile or something that wasn't actually signed live. And so there's a lot of reasons uh, that uh, unfortunately that we might kick an autograph, but I think on the most part, uh, the team is so talented. You mentioned Kevin, he's a lifelong hobby and his book waiting for a sign. If you haven't read it, it gives you a glimpse into, he actually has two volumes. Volume two just came out. It gives you a glimpse into his life as an autograph chaser from his youth all the way through his relationship with Hall of Fame baseball players and other stars and how autographs made uh, the connection, the introductions for him as part of his uh, career. So he has the expertise. His team is trained and ha also has the expertise. Other other great experts like Bill Corcoran and Tom Poon, George Renau. These uh, these guys know autographs. They've been around autographs their entire lives. So um, uh, autograph uh, collectors should feel good about submitting the PSA given the level of expertise that the, our staff has. I think the word in 2022 we are in, for the hobby it's been partnerships i think there's been a lot of partnerships that uh, that i've seen uh, companies that you wouldn't have thought uh, working together uh, what are some of the the partnerships you guys have uh, started in the la in the last year or so and do you see that continuing 
not your individual partnerships, but partnerships as a whole. Uh, you mean with other companies? Yeah. 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 So um, we made quite a few acquisitions. So I'll start with some of those. We acquired WADA, which is a video game authentication and grading company. We acquired Card Ladder, which if you're a trading card collector, you may be familiar with Card Ladder as a pricing tool where you can go on and search a, any card and you'll get a result uh, as to recent sales and index pricing for that. Um, these are just a couple additions that we're trying to pull together under one roof so we can have a one-stop shop for, for collectors. Some other uh, uh, agreements we've entered here, I'm not going to use the word partnership for the next one I described, which is the eBay guarantee program because yeah. we're not partnering necessarily with eBay, but we are the service provider for all graded cards that are sold on the platform to be verified. And I, I can understand why some collectors might ask, well, why is this necessary? Um, it's already been authenticated and graded. Why does it now need to go to a second step? Um, there is good reason for it. There's quite, uh, you know, as PSA, we see fraudulent holders more probably than anyone because collectors bring them to us for review. And so this is just a, a step that eBay is taking to ensure that their marketplace is free of the fraud. And I think with time, as this, uh, as this um, service level gets faster and more efficient, which it will, um, SLAs, uh, service level agreements for the uh, for the service is supposed to be less than two days for it to get in and get out. Um, so really just a minor kind of detour from getting to the end consumer. But as it gets faster, I think it's and, and more efficient. I think the, the, the fraudsters are, are going to realize this isn't an area to play with. And they're going to they're going to turn their attention to other marketplaces that are maybe less reputable to eBay, which is going to be a good thing for eBay buyers overall. And so PSA yep. is happy to be a part of that, to be able to verify our slabs and other third-party slabs. We're really the most qualified. We, we don't feel any other company should be verifying our slabs as an example. So that's why we're uh, a big part of this program. We're happy to be included with, with the verification of, of slabs on eBay's platform. What are some of the new service or, services or changes that collectors will see from PSA uh, within, you know, in the next year? You know, are you going to change your label at all? Are you going to change your encapsulation? Are you going to offer different service levels? Is there there's something that, that, that uh, collectors will, will see and benefit from in, you know, in the coming year? Yeah. Um, well, a quick one I want to mention, it may not be for your core audience here, but I think people should be aware of it. If they are autograph collectors, they might have autograph Funkos in their, in their collection. We're actually offering full uh, authentication and grading of Funko Pops, the little figurines that come in those little yeah. boxes with the big heads. So if you get those autographed by celebrities or, or athletes, we will now not only offer the autograph authentication, which we've done for a couple of years in our, inside our holder, but also uh, authenticate the, the box itself and um, grade it on a scale of one to 10, just like cards. So that's one service that's going to be launching this fall at New York Comic-Con, which if you're an autograph collector, you might be interested in. Check it out at psacard.com. Beyond, behind, beyond that, it's really about, for us, it's about getting lower pricing for trading cards. And so uh, we've had to slowly open the faucet with incrementally lower prices just to gauge yep. demand. And at this point, given we're almost done with the backlog, I think collectors should keep a close eye on our our. our service offerings because there could be some lower prices uh, in the future as we open up that capacity, which would be great for set collectors, people who are looking to grade low, low end or mid mid tier vintage cards. Um, PC collectors, people are looking to get uh, authentication and grading for some of their um, favorite players who maybe don't command the biggest premium. That lower pricing will unlock just a whole new cross section of, of cards for people to be upgraded. So keep an eye on psacard.com for that. If you haven't joined our email mailing list, you can find it in the foot or two to get updates as to when those pricing uh, levels are coming out. We're speaking with Steve Sloan. Steve is Chief 
marketing officer for Collectors Universe and PSA is part of that. And you kind of served that one right up to me next. As I say, you guys have a great newsletter, the PSA newsletter, which people can sign up for, and also the PSA magazine. Are there any other uh, things that you might recommend for collectors to just follow what's going on in the hobby and what's going on with PSA? Well, you hit on the two biggest ones right now. I think if you're a PSA Collectors Club member, which is a $99 annual fee, but you get uh, unlocks to the lowest possible price. And the things I just mentioned, the lowest possible price from PSA, currently, if you're going to access that, you do need to be a Collectors Club member. So you can go to psacard.com slash join to find out more information if that's the right fit for you. As part of that membership, you do get access to the magazine. Um, which is a, a really great monthly editorial with exclusive content. And I, I, I mean that when I say that articles in the magazine can only be found in the magazine. And so, it, you know, our managing editor, Jack Archer, has done a great job of revitalizing the magazine, coming up with really fun and creative themes for card collecting and autograph collecting and anything else the PSA does. So I, I recommend checking it out. We also did, he did a fun thing this past month with the September issue with that Joe Burrow on the cover uh, he also did a, a short printed version that had a tiger stripe theme to it. And then a super short uh, printed a cover that uh, had a Tiger Woods uh, image on the front instead of Joe Burrow. So it's uh, it's a way just to have fun with collecting and fun with our magazine. And so if you go on eBay and search for those things, you can see that they're selling for a bit of a premium over the base uh, magazine cover. But anyway, just a fun way to get into collecting. And it's like a new mail day. So a lot of our collectors love mail days. It's PSA mail day. Check the mailbox, see if you got your submission back. This is just another mail day from PSA that I think collectors will really enjoy. Steve, do you see, uh, are you optimistic about the continued growth of the hobby as a whole? Um, are you still seeing, uh, are you, do you see an incremental growth? Or do you still see it kind of, uh, having the jump that we had in 2021. Yeah, I, I think 21 was lightning in a bottom in many ways, but I think what it did is it created a, a deeper infrastructure, if that's the right word, for the overall hobby. We saw a lot more, um, I'll just say it, money come into the hobby through different businesses and platforms. And yeah, there's no other way to say space. it, right? The, yeah. There's a lot of money coming into the hobby. Yeah. So with all this money, I mean, more resources, you get new platforms that are doing uh, pricing, new platforms that are doing auctions and, and marketplaces. All this is reaching new customers, more marketing dollars to go out into um, different arenas like sports or TCG and find new collectors and then pull them into our hobby. Another thing is fanatics, which is kind of the uh, elephant in the room in terms of reach I and mean, they have all the licenses with uh, major sports teams with players uh, unions and as a result they have a strong incentive to market trading cards to sports fans and that's going to be just a whole nother level when you see trading cards being marketed consistently at baseball games uh, nba games um, just being remarketed through your email if you buy any jersey online getting served up with also uh, advertisements and marketing around the trading cards for those those players that's just going to grow the hobby more so i i am bullish on the future of our industry and i think just because of the uh, investment that's come into the space in the last couple of years that we're we, we should be at a really strong operating level for the next you know five to ten years Steve, thank you very much for your time today. Talking with Steve Sloan, he is Chief Marketing Officer for Collectors Universe, which is uh, PSA is part of. You can go to psacard.com. That's the website. You can find everything you want to know about PSA. You can sign up for their free newsletter. Their magazine is a, a subscription base. You can sign up for their Collectors Club, which is uh, a pay service as well. You can follow them on Instagram, uh, YouTube, every, every social media. Yeah. 
you can we're on tiktok now too <laughs> tiktok too yeah. yep yeah i had to create a tiktok account because i never used it so uh, Steve, that's what I'm we have the younger I'm addicted, staff to, I'm addicted to tiktok i love Are watching you? people open packs on tiktok i don't know why <laughs> see i'm just getting into it but it, it they just that continuous scroll keeps you keeps you locked in but yeah psa underscore card is our account on tiktok so if you want some cool collecting content there check us out well, we continue to look through for big things uh, from PSA. Congratulations on, on finally closing out that backlog and, and taking a breath, right? You guys can finally take yeah. a breath and, and move forward, which is nice. Are there any uh, big shows that uh, PSA is going to be attending that you want to uh, let people know they can stop by and perhaps get a card graded uh, at a show? Yeah, so shows are going to be a major part of our push for next year. Now that the backlog is over, we're going to be looking at shows as a major point of community uh, engagement, for lack of a better word. You know, we're going to be out there, we're going to be expect, accepting take-home submissions and marketing our services at, at trade shows. In terms of this year, we're going to be at New York Comic Con in New York City in October, October 6th to the 9th. We're also going to be at the Chicago Sports Spectacular in November, so check us out there. You can submit cards uh, to PSA at that show. And so uh, beyond that, more regional shows, you can check out psacard.com slash shows and get the latest updates. There's also email notifications for show updates in your area. If you want to just tell us which area of the country you are in, we'll, we'll let you know when we're coming to your neck, neck of the woods. All right. Thank you for your time, Steve. I really appreciate it. It was nice to talk uh, collecting a PSA with you. Pleasure, Jeff. Always a pleasure. Great to see you. Thank you. Well, that wraps up another show, Drew. We're in September. Can you believe it? That's amazing. I mean, this has been, uh, yeah, it just seems like everything's flown by here. Well, guys, uh, my listeners, listeners, perk up, write this down. Our, remember, our new sh our show, our TTMcast live show, we're going to be doing it. Drew, Les, and I are going to be doing a live show Tuesday, September 13th from 8 to 9. Get your questions ready for Les and Drew. It, it, there's going to be video involved, so we're going to be able to see you. So if you have things you want to show off, if you want to have less do a quick appraisal, um, we're going to be talking collecting TTM things that are going on in the hobby. Um, I might get a guest. I haven't, I haven't, I, I don't know. I think, I think we might just go the three of us for this one, Drew. Yeah. Cause so we, so we can uh, talk and uh, let the listeners ask questions and have it more of a live call-in show, if you will. So we are going to be, it's going to be online. It's going to be in kind of a, a zoom meeting uh Space, so you'll be able to just click on the link and link right in. You'll be able to see Drew Les and I. You'll also be able to um, be seen and, and ask questions, and it'll be a fun show. The link will be on the website, and I'll put it out on social media as well when we get closer to the event, which is going to be on the 13th. But you can go to our website ttmcast.com, click on the the new link for the ttmcast live, and you can find all the information there. Hopefully, you will join us. I want to thank Steve Sloan from Collector's Universe. He was a great interview. I want to thank our friend Sal Barry for joining us. He was awesome talking hockey. Hopefully you enjoyed that. Uh, Drew, anything else you want to add before I let you go? Yeah, I think we've got everything pretty well covered. Uh, hopefully we've got a, another full mailbox going on this week and we'll see what happens. All right, guys, next week we'll have Darren Nelson from, he's a college football hall of famer. He's also played running back for the Minnesota Vikings and the San Diego Chargers. He was part of the Herschel Walker trade that went to Dallas. So he, we'll talk to him a little about that. Uh, he loves signing TTM. So if you have any requests, uh, you want to make a request cards of Darren Nelson, send them out because he doesn't hold them. He signs them the day he gets them back. So we're going to talk to Darren Nelson next week. We're also going to talk to Michael Bird from All-Star Events, Naples All-Star Events. 
um, about the upcoming event, his event in uh, Legends of Basketball Night, which is going to be in March of uh, 2023. We're going to talk to him about uh, his guests, how to get tickets, the whole nine yards. So we'll have Michael Bird on. Um, I think that wraps it up, Drew. We got not, another long show, all sorts of stuff. I appreciate your time and patience, guys. Thanks for, for sticking with us all the way to the end. Um, I think that's it. We'll talk to you guys next week. Many happy returns. We'll see you next week.